everyone was excited about Suicide Squad, and then it sucked. Everyone was excited about Apple stuff yesterday, and then it's like, meh. Well, folks, we're calling this episode Great Expectations because we're reviewing some of the more recent letdowns of things. That's the first hour. The second hour of this big two-hour premiere is a big talk about the upcoming expansion for Destiny, Rise of Iron. Welcome back to the Concession Stand. This is episode one. As always, I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, my trusty co-host, Mr. Andy Nelson. Andy, how you doing over there, sir? I'm good, but I do want to say off the bat that uh, for the things that we normally talk about amongst geek culture, episode one has a stigma to it that Uh-oh. isn't so good. But not this one, damn it. We're going to make this awesome. This is going to be the best episode one ever where Darth Maul doesn't get cut in half. Misa, like podcasting. Ooh. <laughs> No, that's uh, enough episode one jokes for us. Let's talk about what's going on. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. So real quick, what I want to jump right into is a review that went up on orbitaljigsaw.com recently is uh, Suicide Squad. I think we need to have an honest, real conversation about this because I don't know about you, Andy. You've been more of a comic book guy over the years than me, but... I went into this based on the marketing and the previews that Warner Brothers gave to us. And what I saw was a two-year effort into a method version of the Joker that was supposed to be better than Heath Ledger Joker. And what we got was like 12 minutes of screen time of Jared Leto Joker with kind of a surrounding ensemble cast. So that's my first thing I wanted to talk about was how much was... Warner Brothers involved in the meddling of this of Ayer's project here. Now, full disclosure, uh, me being a massive comic book fan and have having seen pretty much every comic book movie that's come out, even the not good ones like uh, Electra and Green Catwoman. Lantern. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's uh, Green Lantern. The origin part of the beginning up until when he turns into Green Lantern is awesome, and the movie just falls off the rails. Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not even well. That's more of an old time radio show, but right. still, um, I have not seen Suicide Squad because of the bad reviews and because of things that you said. So me being super DC monkey basically has not seen the Suicide Squad, and I'm almost kind of afraid to see it. So I'm I'm more curious about what you have to say. I've read everything about it, but let me let me tell you what what I remember from Suicide Squad. That trailer was amazing. The way that it was done uh, with the perfect music and the perfect cut. And we saw all these outstanding images and we got small glimpses of Heath Ledger. I'm sorry, of Jared Leto as the Joker. And we we're all like, well, it's Jared Leto as the Joker. And he's got uh, metal teeth and a bunch of weird tattoos. But oh, all right, maybe it'll be cool because look at this trailer. It's awesome. It had a sort of like, remember the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? And you didn't know anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they were these rogue dudes that were you know, uh, kind of in trouble with the law and they're, you know, they're sort of anti-heroes, right? Well, that's exactly the way that Warner Brothers cut that trailer. They basically made their version, as far as I could tell from the trailer, of Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a bunch of bad guys brought together and put into a situation where they have to solve something, right? That's exactly what happened in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, again, having not seen Suicide Squad, I can't expect myself to like it when I do. But Guardians of the Galaxy knocked it out of the park. So yep. you're thinking, maybe it's this version of that. We get to see the Joker, and the Joker might be cool. Oh, by the way, I think Batman's in it for a little bit. That'll be cool. But again, I'm talking about this like I've seen it. I haven't. I'm basing all my opinions on the on the trailer, but I'll let you go ahead and talk about it, and then maybe we'll get into the whole, how does this affect the whole DC universe? What are they doing right that Marvel's doing wrong? Blah, 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 blah. But don't we need to crack a beer? I, I think we need to break. Yeah, we got a little excited here for episode one. Misa thinks you need to crack open well, a beer. here we go. Stone Cold salute. Oh, I love it. Never get a hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
Um, so first, the, I think you're spot on with the the trailer being uh, geared towards the DC version of Guardians of the Galaxy. What it felt like watching the film was their attempt to match Avengers. Okay. In a weird, with anti-heroes, as you so as to put it. The problem is, is I think this stems deeper, and I think we'll talk about this more later. It, there's this constant tower building of things where you have to one-up and one-up and one-up, and we can't just do a solo superhero movie anymore. We have to put an extra, another one and another one and another one and another one. And we got to this point where we had Iron Man, and then he had villains, and we had... Uh, Thor and he had villains and now we've had these Avengers movies and they've got these super team and there's all these villains and all so I think as a result DC was like we gotta catch up how do we get all these DC characters in here I know let's Suicide Squad let's go ahead Deadshot and all these so we had Enchantress Deadshot Harley Quinn El Diablo Killer Croc Human Boomerang Aussie Guy whatever he was is completely useless so part of it for me was like there's so much going on how do you put this into a two-hour or even a two-and-a-half-hour you know, Hollywood template to, to make it digestible for the greater audience when Marvel has spent the better part of a decade, if not 15 years, building up this universe that ultimately led to the Avengers film? And DC's trying to cram it all into like one big film, leading us into what will become Justice League next year. I, I feel like there's a couple of things at work here. So, yes, Marvel had all of these movies leading up to it. And, you know, it, it doesn't work if if Robert Downey Jr. doesn't play Tony Stark, right? So Iron Man comes out of the gate, and it's just like, wow, that movie's awesome. And then we got Thor. And then we got the Captain America solo movie. And whether or not you like those movies as sort of individual movies, it all led up to all of them being together in the first Avengers. And the first Avengers is arguably one of the best superhero movies of all time and and for fans just seeing all those guys on the screen at the same time you knew all those characters because you had the setup of all those movies to to kind of learn who they are that's the thing with with marvel versus dc is uh is they had the ability to do that and i think part of that was uh, marvel at the time was their own separate studio so they just went out and they funded their own mo- movies and, and made their own movies and eventually they got bought up by disney and you know they were able to market all that sort of stuff dc is owned by warner brothers already um, and I think DC saw the success of these movies and like, oh, wait a minute, we got all these characters too. And they just come off the, you know, the Nolan Batman trilogy, which is arguably, you know, I'm it, sorry, it doesn't get any better. It doesn't. And yes, there's some, there's some, there's some missteps maybe in Dark Knight Rises. That's up to who, what, whatever you think. But I mean, you're also up against losing Heath Ledger and did they need to go with, you know, was the Joker supposed to be in the third movie and, and all that sort of stuff. But either way, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a trilogy that starts and ends perfectly and whatever you think, but it's still good. It's still the way Batman was, but instead of building off of that and saying, oh, by the way, Superman's in this universe too. We completely reboot it. Now, during all that time, Marvel had been making their movies too. And and now we've got, all right, so we're going to do uh, Green Lantern and that tanked. And now we're going to do Man of Steel. And you and I like Man of Steel. Not a lot of people do, but I mean, come on. Just seeing him fly in the way that he flew and uh, uh, just, I think Cavill works as, as Superman. And yes, they took some liberties with the Clark Kent, Lois Lane thing. And she knows who he is and all that sort of stuff. And then you get excited to see <clears throat> Man of Steel 2, which they had talked about. Like, no, 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 we're going to do Batman v Superman. It's going to be kind of like Dark Knight Returns. They're going to fight each other. But why? Why can't they be friends first? Or who knows, right? And then Wonder Woman is going to show up. And then Doomsday is going to be in it too. And then this. Oh, by the way, and then they're going to go backwards. And then they're going to do the standalone Wonder Woman movie and the standalone Batman movie and the standalone Flash movie all after the fact. So we're leading up to Justice League, which is the big thing you know, that they're trying to catch up with Marvel on, kind of what you were talking about. And now... They're almost t- going to take a step backwards and be like, oh, by the way, remember those characters we just put in this movie? Here's this, 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 right? Um, it's almost like they're doing prequels. 
to what would ultimately instead of it's the reverse of what Marvel's done. Right. So, this is a great point. I never even thought about it that way, but well, I mean, the the point I raised earlier was we spent ten to fifteen years building up individual story arcs for each of these characters, and then put them in a mashup movie, uh, Avengers and the Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron. So at, at the at certain point, we have to look at: is there one way to do it right? I don't know that the way that DC is approaching it is wrong. I, I'm interested in the Wonder Woman backstory. I'm interested in a proper. You know, Green Lantern story that that kind of that stuff kind of interests me the same way that the prologue of Man of Steel interests me. All seeing Russell Crowe and Krypton and all that stuff and how Superman got to I was geeked out. That stuff really got to me. But doing the big ensemble is fine if they're characters that people know. Everybody knows Iron Man and Civil and Captain America and nobody knows who the they, hell but, Deadshot and Enchantress and Human Boomerang Aussie guy is. I, yeah, but nobody knew who Star-Lord and Drax the Destroyer and Groot Fair. and all those people were either. But that movie worked because it was just a good story and it's a well-made movie. And it Fair. exists in a universe that already sort of exists. They don't tell you specifically how it's going to relate to all the Avengers. That's the thing to me with the Marvel thing that they've done is they've sort of had all of their properties in a way talk to each other. It's all one cinematic universe. And they call it the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. And the stuff that happened in The Winter Soldier. Then the next week on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV. Like, it all affects S.H.I.E.L.D., that kind of stuff. So DC should have taken it like a like a, a, a a page from that playbook, right? I mean, they've got Green Arrow, they've got The Flash on TV, and Grant Gustin is fantastic as The Flash, and Stephen Amell is great as Green Arrow, but they're getting a different guy to play The Flash in the movie. Why? doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, and to an extent, DC is kind of going that way. So if you go all the way back to uh, Batfleck uh, in, in Batman vs. Superman, you go back to Man of Steel... There were Easter eggs at the end of those that were setting things up, leading up to what will eventually be a Justice League next year. So my, my point is, is that how do we how do we take these unknown characters and make an Avengers movie, not a Guardians of the Galaxy movie? I would contend that they were trying to answer Avengers, not Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I, agree. I completely agree with you that um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was just a really good story about a bunch of unknowns. And uh, Chris, what's his name, carried that movie. Chris Pratt. Yeah. And um, Zoe Saldana is yep. fantastic. Batista was even great. And who doesn't love Groot, right? Yeah, Bradley That Cooper movie was, was a lot of fun. You had a talking raccoon in it. Come on. Yeah. How do you not love a talking raccoon in a movie? That shoots that, guns and flies ships and exactly. breaks stuff. Exactly. And, and, and talks slang and talks smack to you. So that's going to be a fun movie, regardless of what universe it comes from. My problem with what Suicide Squad did uh, was almost try to copy the formula that for Avengers without having the 10 years of backstory established already. They're, they're going the opposite way. I think, I think, but I, I, I agree with you, but I, I think instead of uh, trying to make their Avengers, I think they were trying to make their guardians of the galaxy. I think what Warner's trying to get to at a certain point now is to use their justice league to be their Avengers, but they've rushed into it. Now you could make the argument that, uh, of the three major characters of DC, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, everybody on the planet knows who those three are. Completely agree. And knows their backstory. And know, I mean, Superman, the, the Superman character is probably one of the most worldwide uh, recognized characters other than, say, Mickey Mouse. I think that's even <laughs> written. I'm serious. I think that's actually written. That's actually written somewhere. He's one of the most recognizable. That logo, people know who that is. Now, um, before you saw, and and yes, I, I I'm not as much of a Marvel fan growing up. I've, I've you know, but as I've gotten older, I've I've gone back and you know learned more about it and read a bunch of all that stuff. But if you if you said 
you've got Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, or you've got Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Right? I mean, it's exactly it's, there. A Marvel fan is going to be like, well, of course we know who those guys are, but like Johnny, whoever, what's Iron Man? He's just a dude that flies around in a suit. No, he's basically the Marvel version of Batman, rich dude who can put on a suit and go fight crime. What's Thor? He's the uh, the Marvel version of of, of of he's like a Viking or something. Yeah, yeah but and then and then uh, Captain America is is kind of their Superman, but not really. But you know what I mean? It's it's it. Captain America is the truth, justice, American way guy. Uh, uh, Tony Stark is the millionaire playboy with a problem that just also uh, happens to be Iron Man. You know what I mean? Uh, so what are their DC equivalents? Right, but I guess what I'm getting at is you don't need to do setup movies with the DC characters. People know who Superman is. You don't have to do. Hey, guess what? He his planet blew up and he flew back to blah, 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 and then he was raised on Earth. You don't need to do Batman's parents get killed at every single one of the movies, although every director probably wants to have their take on it. And hey, Zack Snyder's take on on the death and the way that was shot and the way that was done in the beginning of Batman versus Superman was pretty awesome. It was beautiful. But every director's done it. Tim Burton did it with the whole Jack Napier thing killing. And uh, uh, Nolan did it really well, too, with him, you know, falling down the hole and all that sort of stuff. But um, I guess what I'm getting at is is uh, you don't I think. I feel like DC can rush into it as far as their Justice League movie because people know who these characters are. Um, Marvel needs to be, all right, here's Thor, here's why he matters, here's Iron Man, here's his story, uh, here's the Incredible Hulk, here's his story, and now we're going to put them all together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, here's another perfect example. Granted, this was not a Marvel Studios movie, but in the original X-Men, characters just show up. You don't really like we see Wolverine at the beginning in the truck and we find out who he is and we know who Wolverine is, but they don't spend time saying like this is Cyclops's backstory. This is Jean Grey's backstory. This is this person's backstory. We so we know Magneto's backstory. We know a little bit about Wolverine's backstory, but other, everything and Xavier. else Xavier. Right, but all of not not even Well, that not much. really. No, he just showed up in the wheelchair. Right. right? We don't yeah. get that until we do we start doing the first class movies and we go backwards right. with it. But but that movie was like, all right, here's the X-Men, and everybody bought it. We didn't even like, here's why they're all X-Men. And, you know, there wasn't any setup movie. There wasn't any setup time. We got right into it. I think I, they could, I would I, still contend. You said that um, uh, what, Avengers was probably one of the best superhero movies. I would contend that X2 is probably still my favorite. The okay. second X-Men movie. Of like, of like all of the comic book films that we have in our arsenal today, uh, I would say that X-Men 2 is probably the one that I still enjoy the most. Like you're saying from like 2000 on? I mean... I mean, yeah. my favorite superhero movie of all time is still the original Superman with Christopher Reeve. Hands down. Uh, oh, it's, it's that. Yeah. See, you just threw me a curveball yeah. big time. Oh, that's, uh, you can't beat Zod floating through the air in space bubbles. I, I just, still, and you can't beat the fact that it, you, they made it seem like a dude. Like the whole tagline on the poster and in their trailers was, you'll believe a man can fly. And, and as a kid, even now, you go back and you watch that movie. And yes, it's wire work. But Christopher Reeve's oh. on a wire and you see him fly across the Fortress of Solitude, a camera and out of frame. Right? I mean... For us growing up, Christopher Reeve is our Superman. There never will be another. And yes, Henry Cavill is great, but you know, Christopher Reeve is our Superman. For a lot of people, Michael Keaton is their Batman. Michael Keaton's my Batman. Or is it Adam West? I don't know. But Bale did a good job. And guess what? Surprisingly enough, Affleck did a great job as Batman. Aff- Affleck, I, I I shit all over him as as being cast as that role. I'm like, there's no way he'll pull that. I off. was the exact same way. It's the same way I was with Heath. Rebel, 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 rebel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was the, that was the whole thing with everybody. It was just like, oh my god, Ben Affleck. It'll be another Jiggly, you know, yeah. just whatever. But that, I agree, he pulls it off. Oh, he, he I will it. say he pulls off. I don't know if I know about the whole voice that he does when he's Batman, but it's not as bad as Bale. <laughs> That's true. Swear to me. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that he pulls off Bruce Wayne with the swagger that I did not expect. I did not see 
that kind of machismo and just swagger uh, coming from him to be in the Bruce Wayne role. And it's cool that it's it's kind of the grizzled older Bruce Wayne from like the sort of Dark Knight yes. Returns storyline, you know, like he's been around the block. Obviously, we're in a world where Robin has died, we think, and we think it's at the hands of the Joker just from basically the visual Easter egg you know, uh, clues that we've gotten. So he's been around the block. Um, I like how they sort of uh, set up, okay, well... There's this other guy that's around now, and it and it's a threat to Batman because Batman's all about saving humanity. And, you know, the beginning of Batman v Superman when you see the building go down and, and he rushes into it like a hero would, uh, it's it's awesome. And yes, if Superman does show up in this world, you know, in that and Batman's sort of protecting Gotham, which somehow is right across the river from Metropolis now. Of course, but whatever um, makes total sense. Yeah, uh, in in that world, you, you want to see. Um, you want to see those guys get along. But yes, there is still going to be like a question mark. Like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? But and, and spoiler alert, the one thing that keeps them from killing each other is both of them having the same mom's name. Martha. That's it? That's what stops the big fight? Really? Wait, your mom's name was Martha too? Yeah, mine was too. Okay, I won't kill you. Hey, go save my mom, would you? All right, cool. Let's go do that for 40 minutes. By the way, there's going to be this big doomsday thing, which kind of looks like a Teenage Ninja Turtle, but it's cool. It's kind of part of Luthor, who's... The guy from Facebook, but he's right. a poor, uh, don't uh, even get me started I, on that. Listen, that's a whole, that's we've a whole gone podcast. We, we've gone full segue over <laughs> to Batman v Superman. Yeah. What I want to do is circle back now okay. to Suicide Squad. And there's two major points that I want to bring up. Uh, my ultimate problem with this movie is what we started out talking about originally was uh, each of these characters from the each of the characters from the Marvel universe leading up to Avengers had their own solo story. Yeah. Hulk had three different ones. Yeah. You know. I, I'm happy with Ruffalo. I think he's fantastic as Banner and the Hulk. I think they finally nailed it. All the characters that are over there. But my problem with Suicide Squad is they tried to do all of that in the first 45 to 60 minutes of Suicide Squad. If you watch that film, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, turn the stuff off. If you haven't figured that out by now, you know, whatever. But the first hour of that film is vignettes and cutaways and all of this stuff telling stories of each individual's uh, being saved by Batman, being attacked, locked away by Batman, whatever, uh, all of their stuff that's going on in the DC universe. So what ultimately what they tried to do was take and make prologues or prequel stories of each of these individual characters in 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I get what they were trying to do. Mr. Ayer, I understand. I see what you're doing. You're playing catch up. I, I get it. But you can't do that in the two-hour Hollywood template. And and that's where Marvel's got you, in my opinion. I think Justice League, I have high hopes for Justice League. The teasers that we've seen so far with um, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I'm yep. like, you know, what's the running joke from Caliendo? Um Aquaman makes a peanut butter jelly sandwich because he can't do shit, you know? Meanwhile. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Yeah. But Jason Momoa looks like a super badass Aquaman. Right, but it's like a weird different take. Like, where's the blonde hair? Like, But it's like, but I'm okay with it. Like, do something new with it. Make it cool. Make it new. And, and that guy would be a great Aquaman. And they're going to make Aquaman a badass. Yes. Instead of like the whole, like, hey, just go talk to some fish guy, right? It's I mean, more like Neptune, the Greek god, exactly. than Aquaman. Exactly. The green and orange pants guy. Yeah, and I'm really interesting, uh, interested to see what their take is. And again, we've gone back to Batman v Superman. And maybe because I haven't seen Suicide Squad and I can't talk on it like you can, 
Um, but I've also heard that the vignette thing that you're talking about is just another way to introduce, like each of them has a different, like, here's this song we're going to play. And the whole thing is like, look at all these songs we're doing for the soundtrack, which is again, the Guardians of the Galaxy mo- yes. model, right? It's his mixtape. Basically, it takes you from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene. And there's the through line song. Um, uh, I forget what the song is, you know. That's a perfect rendition. Yeah. I got it. So, no, so the um, I guess the point I wanted to make is that instead of doing that stuff, they literally and and I apologize that you haven't seen it, but anybody that's seen it, it's literally a, they try to cram a, a a vignette of a story of how they got to be locked up, um, to to become a member of this ultimately of the Suicide Squad, um, th- they tried to do one of these for each of the characters, and it took the first hour of the movie it took forever and it's so slow and and then in the middle of it interloped us away with these cutscenes of their backgrounds and profiles and we got a little snippet of joker throwing mark robbie into the the vats from like the old super or old batman movies yeah But you, you know, told me you told me Margot Robbie steals it as harley quinn right that's it, the final point i was going to make look i wanted to make a point about joker i i to Jared Leto, look, man, I I get that you went through a, a massive kind of method transformation and lived in this character, and it just didn't work, brother. Uh, I just it was too much. It was too over the top. Uh, it it was just. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'm comparing you to Heath Ledger, but it's Heath Ledger nailed it. He took the comical, goofy version that Jack Nicholson portrayed, which we all loved, and made it dark and real and you know messed up and just you know i'm like a dog chasing cars i wouldn't know what to do if i caught one yeah oh my god just mind-blowing kind of stuff like that but you the scenes of you laying in a sand pile with knives in a perfect circle i just come on dude it's so she tried to be so existential with it and you have the tattoos and the grill and all. yeah how much of that is how much of that is on leto and how much of that is on just the 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 script and and uh air's design and i'm gonna put that on leto and what i'm gonna say about air and warner brothers is that you have this guy that dedicated probably two or more years of his life to finding this role and you marketed us a, a Joker movie, a Joker and Harley Quinn movie with a supporting cast. That's what, the tra- yeah, that's the trailer I saw. What we got was a supporting cast of all these characters with their shitty prologue stories, and Joker showed up in these little vignettes and cutaways every now and then, just trying to save Margot Robbie from all these different situations that the Suicide Squad got in. I felt cheated. And I that's, was pissed. Yeah, and that's honestly why I haven't seen it. First, I mean, I, I, I don't get out to see movies right away like I used to with, with two kids. But, you know, uh, when, when comic book movies come out or, or, or a Star Wars or a Star Trek or like, you know, big tent pole yeah. sci-fi, I got to go see that in a theater movie comes out. We figure out a way to go or whether you and I go or something like that. Right. But once those reviews came out and everybody's like, oh, boy, I don't know about this. And then you told me what you thought of it. And you're like, the Joker's barely fucking in it. I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't care. Why do I need to go see that movie? I'll wait till I'll wait till DVD or if even DVD exists anymore. I actually went and looked it up. He had a total of 12 minutes of screen time. 12 in a two and a half, two hour and 40 minute movie. He had 12 minutes that he was actually on screen. And even the early vignettes that I was referring to, they were just bad. They they weren't that good. I mean, I'm sorry, Jared. I just, I I bet that there is a pile of footage and you've even been on record. Mr. Leto is saying that there is enough footage of you as the Joker to make your own solo movie, I bet there is. 
Oh, and there's this whole controversy around Warner Brothers last minute, 11th hour, doing a recut, and Ayer came out to defend, no, this is the cut that I want. Of course we have no idea of, of the politics. Of course he has to say we that. We have I no mean, idea of the politics that are going on inside of Warner Brothers and all this stuff. And it didn't help that some guy came out and wrote an open letter. Oh, of, yeah. uh, just a huge controversy. Yeah. And then today, I want to close this off by saying, not today, but uh, earlier this week, um, it came out that Warner Brothers has filed copyright violations against Google to have all of their website content removed from search results. That's Are you out of your fucking mind? When you texted me that, I was like, that's a joke, right? <laughs> I was like, you got to be shit. What the hell is going on over so at Warner Brothers? Let's explain what that means. So, t- so to somebody like me, if I want to, uh, 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 hey, guess what? Justice League's coming out. Uh, I'm going to type in Justice League Warner Brothers movie into Google. Right? What happens? You're going to probably going to get results from uh, the older cartoons or the comic books or anything like that. You're not going to get referrals or results to anything that might be on WarnerBrothers.com for any of their movies and that is just absolutely asinine to me. It, it sounds like reverse marketing. So you're it, you're basically you're basically when people go to search for something about your movie, they can't find it? Well, I want to make sure I am clear about this. Here's what here's what's really happening. What's really happening behind the scenes is when you search for the name of a movie, you're getting first page results for torrent websites. Got it. And what unfortunately that's the world we live in and the movie studio studios need to get over it because that's going to happen whether you like it or not. The dark, dark web is a real thing. The torrent sites exist. People are going to download stuff. You're still going to make your fortunes. So relax. The fact that you filed a lawsuit over the fact that you might hit a search result. That's a piratebay.com or a kickass torrents or anything like that. Just on the off chance Meanwhile, those are getting shut down by the FBI, by the way, and other government institutions. But you would voluntarily remove your content from all search results just on the off chance that it might show up on a torrent website and lead people to download the movie illegally? Come on. Yeah, but I mean, what the old adage is, is, is bad publicity is good publicity, right? So even if the torrent site comes up, there's going to be something about like the IMDb page or something will come up, right? For uh, maybe t- on page two, I don't. I, know. I don't know how. I don't know how the search engine works. If yeah. I did, I would be making Google money right now, but, <laughs> and we wouldn't be doing this. Um, but yeah, I, I just I don't get that that mindset. So then you have to wonder with with the article that we read about what's going on behind the scenes in Warner Brothers. And if you haven't seen that, just look up uh, Warner Brothers employee talks about problems with Suicide Squad or something in the Warner Brothers internal uh, uh, troubles. And whether or not that article is true, which it really sounds like it is. Um, it sounds like that 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 organization and that, that studio is just in in all kinds of disarray as far as corporate sort of mismanagement of intellectual properties and and just it's just the, the fear of whatever and you know yes Batman v Superman got a horrible review uh, there are certain par- I mean who cares it was awesome it was it was awesome yeah I have my issues with it but you know I have my issues with most big movies yeah. anyways you know what I mean it's it's never going to be the movie that you want it to be you know even. Force Awakens wasn't the perfect Star Wars movie that I wanted. I mean, to I'd be. like to drag Jesse Eisenberg out into the street and punch him repeatedly for for that portrayal. But Batfleck was awesome. Cavill nailed it as Superman. The whole Doomsday sequence, the last thirty minutes of the film. Zach, I stop trying to do these cutaways with like 
you know, the, there was the Batman dream sequence where there's these flying ants coming in. It just, just stop. But see, that's that's that may be foreshadowing of what's coming with the whole Dark Side storyline. So, uh, but, but, I keep forgetting about Dark Side. So yeah. I, you know, I, I, let's wrap this up real yeah, quick. Yeah. So I want to move. There's other things I want to <laughs> talk about here. We're I obviously wanna, we're obviously passionate about. We're this obviously stuff. passionate about this stuff. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. But I want to wrap it up with three things. Look, I always want to leave things, and this is apparent in my posts and my reviews and everything. But I always like to leave things with things that I liked. Look. I, it's very rare that I leave a film, leave watching a film with at least one or two good things to say. You know, Dirty Grandpa is kind of the exception here. <laughs> that that might be the worst film of all time. Uh, but anyway, uh, I really enjoyed these special effects. So kudos to the special effects team, especially the Enchantress effects when she was morphing in and out of her different forms, her human form and then into the Spectre form. Oh my God, that was some of the most beautiful CGI I've ever seen, right? Right up there with kind of the orc stuff we saw from ILM on uh, uh, Warcraft okay. earlier this year, right? Um, just the spell weaving stuff that she was doing at the end. Also, El Diablo's full form when he converted into his like super demon badass form. Amazing CGI work. So kudos to those guys. Also, <coughs> um, Margaret Robbie stole the film for me. And I, I can't remember the last time I had fun watching, that much fun watching an actor or actress act. You could see that she was into the role. You could see that she was, you know, we say that Heath Ledger was born to play the Joker. I think Margot Robbie was born to play Harley Quinn as far as capturing the look, the style, the attitude, the not giving a fuck kind of just way that she went about it. I loved the call out when they first got all their gear handed to them. And the first thing she pulls out of her chest is the jester costume. Uh -huh. uh, I just, I loved the call out for that. Um, I think Kevin Smith also had some crazy good things to say about her performance there. So Margaret Robbie, just, I, I think she was made to play that character. I really hope to see her reprise that role in, in later films. I think we will. Um, and the last thing I want to say is like, look, let's, and this is from kind of from my post. It's just a, a final thought kind of thing. It's, I mean, to me, the reason Avengers has done so well is because we spent hours and hours and hours with all of those characters uh, over the last decade in each of their own little solo franchises, whatever they're doing. You can't take us on a two-hour ride with six superheroes and expect the same result. Expect the same kind of reviews, expect the same kind of ticket sales, all of that stuff, especially when you spend half the movie trying to make up for lost time you know, better part of a decade of character development that those guys have had. Um, you know, to your point earlier, each of those characters didn't need their own exposition sequence. You could have cut those out. Show me Deadshot. Show me Harley Quinn. Show me Joker. And, and let's just move on. And yeah, let's, like, let's, that's the fire guy. That's the that's the magic girl. He that's shoots fire out of his hands. Hey, look, yeah, that guy throws boomerangs. Hey, look, that's a human crocodile guy. All right, that's weird. Cool. All right, and what happens? Ultimately, what you did was you cut away time from what could have been a much more awesome story. There was one time that I saw the Joker. And if you've seen the film, it was the scene where Joker flew in on the back of a Chinook helicopter with the ramp down and was just randomly firing a chrome AK-47 out of the back with that, <laughs> that big wide mouth smile laugh. And I was like, oh, there he is. Finally, after all these little vignettes laying around in knives and all that, there's the Joker, and we ate, and then they cut away from him, and we didn't see him again until like the credits. 
Or, an hour and a half later. Or until the three-hour Ultimate Edition comes <sighs> out. The R-rated Ultimate Edition comes out sometime later this fall. That's a total guess, but maybe I'm right on something. Just a disclaimer, know. we have no connection to David Ayer or Warner Brothers, and we have no indication of whether or not there will be a full-blown director's cut. But the track record suggests. <laughs> so, that was a long-winded version of what we thought about Suicide Squad, or what I thought about it with some backstory from Andy Nelson. Uh, I will sit him down and... Say super glue his eyeballs open and force him to watch it. I promise. Clockwork Orange style. Oh God! All right. So next, let's move on to another subject that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, we are massive gamers. Um, we are man children when it comes to video games. <laughs> we play everything. Uh, I'm not as much of a PC guy. I'm much more of a console guy. Nick's more of a PC guy. We'll get into all that as we go on through further podcasts and all that sort of stuff. So we talked about again. I didn't see. Suicide Squad. But again, the whole thing with that movie was, oh, the trailer, the trailer, the trailer, the trailer. Look at this. This movie is going to be amazing. Look at all these awesome images. Look at all of this cool stuff. All of this stuff looks amazing, right? Now, when we translate that over into a recent video game sort of experience, the first thing that comes to my mind is No Man's Sky. Let's take us, let's take ourselves back about a year ago uh, at E3. They released a trailer of this game that was coming out that was a PlayStation exclusive. And what they showed us was... A and, ship. And, and full disclosure, I knew nothing about this game until we were at the bar one night. It was like, hey, have you heard about this No Man's Sky game? It looks freaking amazing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Right. So I show, and, and many of you are probably familiar with this, and you know where we're going with this story, but we'll get there in a second. Essentially, what happens is you are, you, you're in the cockpit of a ship, and, and seamlessly that ship flies down and into a planet, lands on the ground. The guy steps, and this is all first person, steps out of his ship, goes around, sees a bunch of dinosaur-looking things and a bunch of weird sort of planet stuff, right? And it stays in first-person view, and then he walks back to his ship. The ship takes off. It flies back in the atmosphere. No cutscenes in between this stuff. It is a seamless transition from flying down to a planet, landing on a planet, walking around planet, looking at strange stuff. Hey, what's that? Getting back in ship, flying back up into space, flying to another planet. There is no, like, loading to the next screen. It's it's a seamless thing, and it's one of the most amazing things I had seen ever, and I was I could not wait to play this game. And all I heard was John Hammond is, I think we can only do seven notes of that song without having to pay the royalty. Anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, 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 and yes, finally, uh, it was about it was supposed to come out, I believe, in uh, uh, August or no, it was supposed to come out, I think, maybe in June or July, and it got delayed a month. And uh, uh, well, everybody couldn't wait. It's No Man's Sky. This is a game everybody's been talking about. And look at this. We can't wait to do this thing where we get to fly from planet to planet. Hey, we're all sci-fi geeks. Hey, we all want to get in a spaceship and fly around, right? And yes, somehow Nick hadn't heard of this, and he's a PlayStation guy. But you know, I was like, dude, you got to check this out. Uh, so. He downloads it day one. I pre-order it on Amazon day one, and you've probably read what's kind of happened in this game. And if you've read uh, uh, reviews around the internet, fine, but we're going to kind of give you our take. So, admittedly, Nick played the game uh, much more than I did. It seems to be a recurring trend, but we both started the game around the same time. He, he took it a little bit further than I did because uh, I gave up on it quicker. But, Nick, you go with your take, and then I'll talk about mine. <sighs> No Man's Sky is hard because I think there was so much built-up expectation for it. I, you really had me vibe, too, going into it. Well, I was, we, too. I was, too. There's this funny video. Look, I'll, I'll put it in the post about you know the comparison between what we saw at E3 versus what it turned into, and it was this funny harmonica version of the Jurassic Park thing <laughs> yeah. with these, this weird little yeah. what was supposed to be the... <laughs> Uh, this is really easy. Look, No Man's Sky turned into the six same tasks 
repeated on what was supposed to be 18 bajillion planets or whatever it was, right? 18 quintillion. Quintillion. I don't even know what I don't know what that is. Is that a one with is that an 18 with 15 zeros after I, it? Quint <laughs> is 5. I whatever. The, the ultimate thing was you're supposed to be able to get somewhere and that somewhere was going to be like space mecca and center of the universe, right? Center of the universe, you could hang out with other people. And who you determines could, where that is, by the way? Hello Games, the the company yeah, that made it. Some indie developer. Anyway, look, nobody's going to doubt the brilliance of the technology of being able to pull something like that off from a systems perspective. But you lost us on the gameplay, and that is the most important thing when it comes to UX and all of those fundamentals of video games. The reason you and I love Destiny so much is the social aspect and the way that the guns shoot and the way that they have Bungie has just completely perfected that that style of a first-person shooter. What was missing from this game was, uh, you know, while we love all the social, or no, I'm sorry, while we love all the exploration parts of that, it, it was missing that kind of social element. You didn't see, you didn't get a chance to build your own beachhead and your base and fortify it and have people visit and maybe you turned into a trader or a smuggler or some, there needed to be something else there other than go down to a planet, refill your hyperdrive, refill your life when it runs out, refill your gun, mining gun when it runs out, and then go up to space, meet some weird alien, learn a word, and then fly to the next planet and do the exact same thing over and over again on every single planet. And that just... I You said earlier I played it a lot more. I, I probably logged upwards of 30 hours into the game. And that's that's exactly what I did. I, I bet I discovered a couple of dozen different planets, and I went through those tasks thinking that eventually I might get to something or I would finally be able to read like an entire alien phrase because I had learned all these words. Nothing! No, it was just <laughs> nothing. I, I never got anywhere. It was just endless. Endless, mindless garbage. And maybe that's maybe they're well. That's what it would be like if you were alone in space. And I kind of like I kind of latch on that I, that idea because you know when when the game starts, you land, or no, you you, you uh, the game starts and you're you're on a planet and your ship doesn't work, so you have to go and explore this planet. And the cool thing was there's no instruction manual. You just walk around and you kind of figure it out on your own. Which in theory, that's what would happen if you I, I guess woke up. Um, on a planet, even though you would have probably known how you got there, but whatever. Um, you're supposed to go around and explore, and they kind of give you little clues like, you need to get this stuff in order to repair your ship. So you can go around and get the stuff you need to repair your ship and go back to your ship and fly into space. But there were, uh, I believe there were like six different things you could discover on the planet. So instead of flying right up to space after I got the stuff to fix my ship, I decided I'm going to go walk around and find all this stuff that's sort of completionist in me. You know, like I want to complete right. everything on this planet before I take off. I'm going to go find all of the the obelisks that might tell me a word in a in an alien language from an alien guy. I'm going to go see what all of this uh, uh, gold and all these things that I'm mining with my space gun and my laser, whatever. Oh, I'm going to upgrade my blah, 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 blah. Thinking that's going to help me out somehow when I go into this, you know, 18 quintillion planets, that some, somehow this is going to pay off. Now, granted, if there's 18 quintillion planets that I could find, the, the time for that payoff is probably going to be a long time. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a very long, sort of uh, arduous game. But the thing is, there has to be a carrot on the, on the end of the stick to keep you going. 
Um, but there's not. I know. You just go to the next planet <laughs> right. and you do the exact same thing. That's where they lost me. And and you had done it a couple of times. And I, I, I think I remember telling you, I think we had a long text exchange one night <laughs> about about like, wait, is that it? And you're like, yes, that's it. I'm like, really? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it, uh, does this game... I'm not a Minecraft player, and that is a game that is, you know, just uh, the people swear by it. And it's, you know, it, that's a world building sort of like, you know, uh, 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 I don't want to call it menial task because it's not to some people it's it's epic. And, and I respect that. You know, if, if, if you're into something and you're behind it and, and you're not the only one because there's a bajillion people playing. Maybe there's 18 quintillion people playing Minecraft. Um I don't think there's 18 quintillion people in existence. True. I want to counter what you just said, though, because okay. Minecraft, you you farm resources to create other things, such as a shovel or a pick, to be able to mine other things. That part I can get on board with. But then you can build. Right. You build all of these things. You can build an entire castle. People, there, people have built the Star Trek Enterprise. Awesome. Out of Minecraft eight bit pixelated materials, that that's the essence of what we I think it's, we were hoping for. It's kind of like somebody was, getting a bunch of Legos and building a super giant yeah. star destroyer, right? Like you get to. It's see like, like it would have been like Minecraft in space, but with really amazing graphics on you know next gen consoles. Yeah. Oh, you just missed the heart of what we all really hoped for. Well, the other thing was, I believe it was like, uh, there's 18 quintillion planets and you're all in a shared universe and you might, you're going to get to name a planet that somebody else may see, but there's no chance that you'll ever cross paths more than likely with any other player. However, I think on day one, there were two players that somehow randomly ended up on the same planet, but they couldn't talk to each other. Yeah. They couldn't say hi. In a game where where you have a headset, not that you would wear a headset for this game, but like they're like waving at each other like, what? but they, they couldn't interact. That's ridiculous. Yeah. If you if you if you somehow in this randomly generated eighteen quintillion planet universe happen to stumble across another player, it's like oh my god, hi. Yeah, yeah. but you, but they don't. Yeah, but you can't see each yeah, other. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, but whatever. Look, i I don't want to I don't want to harp on it too much. Kudos to the folks at Hello Games for creating uh, eighteen quintillion planets and an algorithm that would auto generate that as you explored. I, I think the foundation of the sandbox kind of what we call those kind of games are brilliant design from that perspective, but to launch it as just a sandbox, I think you didn't see the bigger picture, my friends. And I just, I want to say that you lost me when I myself and Andy couldn't go explore the universe together. Andy couldn't get in my ship and we couldn't go fight some sentries and, and build a base together. And, or I could come visit his, ba uh, you know, whatever, you know, Andy in planet, whatever he has. Sure. Right. And arguably that that was never promised to us and that would never should have happened. However, uh, in the if they wanted to wait another year and develop it a little bit further and make that game, you know, and who knows, they could come out with a patch in two years. Too bad. I've already returned my game to Amazon and, ref and refunded my entire money, which Let, which, let's is imagine, which is unheard of, by the way. Let's imagine if Destiny released a game called Destiny. Sorry. Let me let's imagine <laughs> if Bungie released a game called Destiny and there was no social aspect whatsoever and it was based hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> uh, there was no social interaction whatsoever all you did was run around these empty landscapes there were little to no bad guys 
All you did was these missions where you pick up stuff. Right. Would you still be playing Destiny? Yeah, I'm just going to keep mining spin metal on the Cosmodrome. Exactly. And hope that it makes my ship better. Let me run around. uh, Which, which, by the way, I can only fly my ship in the loading screen. Uh, But that's Destiny. But we'll get into Destiny, I'm sure, in a minute. Uh, We're going to talk about Destiny because we've got a lot to talk about Destiny. Uh, Look, we've already been chatting about this. We're going to call this episode Great Expectations because it's a lot of letdowns to kind of kick things off here. But... The last real one that I want to segue in. Look, No Man's Sky was good effort, bad delivery. Yeah, do you have anything else you really want to throw in there about that? Uh, and uh, 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 a mutual friend of ours, uh, Luke, who, you know, um, he described it in a really cool way to me where he said, you know, the Hello Games, I think, is a company with like 18 employees. or I, I, It's I, really I, small. It's yeah. a really small indie. And, and for them to pull off something like that, the game that we got, whether we liked it or not, it's it's pretty awesome but the game wasn't awesome um if they had uh but it's marketed as like a triple a title like a destiny or a or a a last of us or or a rockstar style game those are triple a games that big time like video game companies put out and we know when rockstar puts out a game it's going to be big and epic and huge and you're going to get to do all this stuff and they're constantly going to upgrade it and make it better 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 Uh, you rockstar is the perfect example grand theft auto might be the ultimate sandbox game true where you can just do whatever the hell you want to do you don't even have to do the quest. Yeah, you and I could literally go play 18 holes of golf every day in Grand Theft Auto and never get into a car with exactly. a machine anybody. So great, great example there. But that's just the world that they built. But again, there's an infrastructure there at Rockstar with a huge amount of employees working on a large world and it can constantly evolve. I think, I think, unfortunately, Hello Games uh, uh, put out what was supposed to be a AAA title. It's just not. They couldn't deliver it. They didn't have the manpower to do it. Um, I think the potential of that game is so much bigger than what we got. Uh, it's disappointing because, again, they still had the, the ship mechanics and everything that we talked about. The fact that you can land on a planet and take off and fly to a, a different star system and warp drive and all that sort of stuff. That was fun. But to do it and not have any sort of like results from doing that gets stale after one time for me and a couple times for you. I don't know, and, a couple I, dozen times. Still, right? but, you know, uh, all you do is you Here, go here's, down. Here's my thing. If you had sold me that game for nineteen ninety nine on PSN as a little indie game, I, I, I would have zero to say about it because that's what the PSN is for. That's what the indie game section is for. And you're exactly right. You sold me this as something that was going to be on par with a Destiny or a, a GTA or any of those kinds of games. And I paid $60 plus for this game. I literally sold you that game. I did. You on, did. On just an E3 trailer from a year ago. Two years ago, maybe even. Right? I sold you that game from something that they did. I so, think it so, was two years so ago. So I need to get the marketing kickback from Hello Games from that. But, right. I, but I already <laughs> made my money back for returning it to Amazon. Uh, which again was strange. They Amazon. Didn't oh, you fight. were one of the lucky ones. Yeah, Apparently, and, yeah. I couldn't do it unless I had technical difficulties on, and I would have had to chat with a representative and all this stuff on, because so, I bought the digital version uh, on the PlayStation Store, right. and I went through the motions and they denied it because I I didn't really the game worked. It did what it said it was supposed to do, so I didn't get a refund for it. So um, I went I went the other way with it. Uh, I pre-ordered the game on Amazon again. I'm a Prime member, so I get a twenty percent discount on a pre-order. So that's the whole thing about pre-orders is you know you. You get the, the discount if you pre-order it through Amazon, right? And so I simply went on like a live chat with an Amazon person, and I said, this isn't the game I was promised. And typically, any other store in the world, and I had the physical disc, if you open it, you own it. And you could take it back to GameStop and get like 15 20 bucks for a $60 game, whatever. And GameStop makes their money off of it, whatever, with right. a resale. 
Amazon didn't even fight it one bit. They're like, great. We don't normally do this, but just just uh, send it back. And I was like, okay. And uh, uh, they printed a shipping label, or I printed the shipping label that the guy gave to me. I took it to the post office and I or a UPS place, and I drop it in the mail. And literally two hours later, I get it like a like an Amazon notice on my phone that says we refunded fifty something dollars to your account, like just like that. So they didn't even fight it, which tells me they knew it was. They up. knew, yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> That was No Man's Sky. Look, it's it's not for, I would say, the majority of people and gamers out there, but there are a select few people, like you mentioned our friend Luke, uh, that just kind of want to do solo shit and fly around to different planets and name stuff their own and discover animals and plants. That's totally fine. That's just, I don't think that is the majority of game players out there. There's expectations of achievements now and and social interaction everything has to be connected the we live in a different world than we did in the 90s when this game would have absolutely thrived uh in, in a kind of a console world that that would have been out there but i i don't know i i just i don't i completely agree with your with your take on if that had come out as a 20 dollars game as an indie game you're spot on with that because yeah. That to me would have been like, okay, you know what? That's cool. I'm, I'm, I don't mind spending twenty bucks. And on I that. love supporting indie developers as Absolutely. well. That's one of my Absolutely. biggest things. I buy. There's more games downloaded on my PlayStation right now that are non AAA titles than AAA titles because I love downloading all those indie games and seeing what those guys are, are working on. Speaking of which, since we're talking about it, uh, I want to kind of wrap this up with: if you haven't checked it out yet, there's one on PlayStation Network called Rebel Galaxy. I heard about this. Uh, basically what it is is what we wanted No Man's Sky to be. Uh, just and it was without, free, right? Didn't we get it free? It was like for free for being Plus? a PSN yeah. member, yeah. So the uh, go check out Rebel Galaxy. I think that's a fun game. You're actually having fights and with you know interstellar gun battles and uh, you get to discover and there's quests and missions and aliens and you interact with, you know, you, you go to the, uh, the Moss Eisley Cantina sort of thing and you find some smuggler and he wants you to go do this... So check that out. I mean, you talk about delivery of UX and gameplay experience. To me, that's exactly what No Man's Sky was missing. For the people listening, what's UX? Oh, sorry. User experience. That's what I've, yeah. UI, you'll hear UI and UX. User interface and user experience. Kudos to Hello Games. They built a hell of a UI. The, the interface and the design of the console and, and your, your, your heads-up display and all of that stuff, brilliant. Looks amazing. The UX didn't deliver. The experience and the gameplay just didn't exist. Sorry. So I guess, yeah, to wrap it up, it's really, um, it's it's not living up to expectations, uh, I guess, is our sort of through line so far. Yeah, it's kind of our um, theme of this episode, right? Yeah. It, again, we, we appreciate the 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 technical uh, achievements of that game. We just, we wish it could have been something more. So, uh, and, and I don't think we're alone in that opinion. I think there are a lot of people that had high expectations for that game that weren't quite met. And uh, it's unfortunate. So back to the drawing board for those guys. But I, I think there's a future there. And I hope that they give us something soon that that uh, that if it's not that game, it's something else. Because there's there's some there's definitely some talent there. At least give me some Tonka trucks and some plastic toys to play with in my sandbox. Don't just give me an empty sandbox filled with cat poop. That's a game. We should talk yeah, to Tonka should, people. Oh, man. I think they have that, actually, mm. as a matter of fact. All right. So carrying on with our kind of great expectations theme, <laughs> uh, today Apple had their annual September kind of, yeah, here's a new iPhone, and all their new products and stuff. And I, you know, we say we're going to talk about movies and video games and all this kind of stuff. We, we can't not talk about 
kind of like big gadgety tech geek stuff that got launched. And Apple's thing, I've been following these guys for many, many years. I was an Apple convert from the Microsoft world back in the mid-2000s. I initially resisted the iPhone, uh, I, and then somebody gave me one for free as a hand-me-down, and I, I fell in love. And now everything I have is Apple. I have, we're recording this podcast on an iMac 5K Retina display, and I've got a Thunderbolt display sitting right next to it. And I've got Apple TVs throughout the house. I've got several iPhones. I've got an iPad. All that's, I am an Apple guy through and through at this point. Uh, today's announcement I, is just like, here's the brand new iPhone. iPhone <laughs> 7. Yeah. And we're removing stuff. Right. Yeah, it's got a new processor. Yeah, it's got this cool camera thing. And yeah, but, but Wait, and you could drop it in water for a little bit. So it's water resistant for a little bit. And... And 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 that and that and yeah exactly. Uh, uh, you know me. I, I'm also a, I'm a I'm a big time Apple loyalist. I'm I've never been a PC guy. Nick, you you are a PC guru. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you had the, the the conversion over to the to the Apple stuff at home. You still know how to, to work both. But um, I mean, my first computer when I went to college was like a was a Mac Performa with an, oh my god with an eighty megabyte hard drive. <laughs> And and three and a half inch floppy disks, but you know what? That thing was, and I loved the interface, and I loved and everything since then was every laptop I bought was Apple, 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 Apple. Apple. Well, since you threw it out there, I have to say that mine was a Toshiba Satellite, Ooh. Uh, 1995. Uh, it had eight megs of RAM. Ooh, and it had a. This was the big deal. It had eight megs, twenty of RAM. megs of hard drive space. And that right. was the upgraded version. Wow! Right from like whatever ten. Right. Anyway, Windows three one one for work groups. Ooh, right. Yeah. We're old. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so to get to the point of, look, I, I think I think Apple's getting to the point where they're trying. They they've made this thing that is so profound and so prolific and so perfect that they're having problems innovating on it further. And I don't want to take away from what they've done from from the waterproofing thing because as as a mechanical engineer myself by education, that's some pretty awesome stuff to really like kind of invent new seals, new adhesives, all of the things from a you know basically some of the adverts that they were showing today in the event was like porn for mechanical engineers. Right. It really was because I mean the speaker in the watch that pushes the water out of the vent. Yeah, we didn't even get into that. There's a new uh, there's a, there's a new smokes. there's a new Apple Watch with a dumb name like called Apple Watch Series 2. Like they're, they're, instead of just giving it a number, it's now Series 2. Yeah, it's uh, and they have, a, they have a toilet bowl version now right. that's uh, made me, of ceramic or something. To and me, I, the whole Apple thing stronger is Stronger like, than stainless steel. But, like, to me, the, the through line for the Apple event today was, like, all of our stuff works in water now. Like, Really? Oh, and we have earpods that you're gonna fall out of your ears and you're gonna that's lose a, them. That's a weird one for me. The whole earpod thing. So, so if you if you by now you'll have probably known or at least read somewhere what the new iPhone Seven is, and by the time you listen to this, you might even pre-order one because I think they go up what on the ninth. That's uh, two days from now. Uh, Friday. Yeah. yeah, Friday. And then they they launch on the sixteenth or something like that. So, I I have an iPhone Six. You have a Six Plus. You know. Uh, so it it I'm two years removed from, and every two years I get the new one. Typically, I have no desire to go out and get an iPhone Seven right now. I don't. Well, I want to. Oh, I kind of do, and I want to. I want to. I want to go over why. First thing I want to address is the 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 headphone jack. You know, headphone jack gate. Whatever <laughs> we want to call it, this right. 
the re- the reason that they removed the headphone jack is because Johnny Ive is fucking obsessed with thinner and thinner and thinner. And if you look at your iPhone six, that headphone jack doesn't change size. It's right. a three and a half millimeter yep. jack. Yep. Right. So that is, if you look at the jack size, that's how wide the iPhone is. Because it has to be. It has to be because that's industry standard, right? If you take that away, that's what's keeping the iPhone as wide as it is. None of the other internals or components are keeping that. That that is the width of the iPhone, is the three and a half millimeter headphone jack with a little bit of padding for the the screen and whatnot. All of a sudden, you take that away. Now you get skinnier. Now you get lighter. Now you get more battery power. All of these things start to come around that now you can start innovating as engineers but again. Do I but need a, do I need a, that much skinnier iPhone? Honestly, because no. uh, there's a re- many people put Mophies on their or put their phones in Mophies for battery power. Sure, we both do. I put mine in the Mophie case for the heft and the grip yeah. of the phone. Yeah. If I take it out of that, the minute I take it out of that, within ten minutes, it slips out of my hand or I drop it or something. Well, that's stupid. the fear. The fear is if you don't, you know, it's glass, and if you drop it, that's it. And, and then it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. If you don't Just, have Apple Care, you're fucked. Um. So I, I, it's it's not just about uh, the headphone jack. The, to me, there's the A10 processor. I don't really give a shit about playing games on my phone. I'll be honest. Uh, until it gets to a not point, that, not anything that's going to push that processing power. But sure, no. there's little things that you know. I mean, they previewed a couple of games on the event today that yeah, were just the Mario one. Uh, we'll get okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and there's some retro things out there where you can plug in kind of a retro controller and play games on your phone or your iPad, and that stuff's all fine and dandy. For me, what keeps me in Apple is the ecosystem. Absolutely, and that's what I want to highlight. Bar none. I don't want to have to compile code to put apps on my phone, Android. Uh, I I like the fact that I can just download an app from the App Store and it just works seamlessly with my iCloud login. And now everything that's on my Mac is now available on my phone. And when I'm in my house on the same Wi-Fi network, everything's just there. It just works, Steve Jobs. Yeah. It just works. And and that, to me, I'm invested in the ecosystem. So the fact that I continue to buy iPhones has fuck all to do with the fact that the iPhone got two cameras now in the 7 Plus. I will say, though, that it's really cool from a photography geek perspective that they were able to shoehorn a 1.8, F1.8 aperture yeah. uh, lens in there. That, and, and they went, and, and uh, Craig Schiller went on and on and on today about how uh, you were going to get depth of field, and you were going to get all this stuff now with the new the new cameras, and that is 100% to do with that 1.8 lens. So that to me is a little bit game changing for photography. But but let's talk about that for a second before yeah. you, before you continue. So uh, yes, I I think having an amazing camera, and then they've got a digital optical zoom, I believe, in the second camera that's in there or something like that, right? And depth of field, and 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 uh, and uh, the stuff you're talking about, yeah, that's great, but. If you're really like, are you really like, ah, oh, I have to take this amazing picture with my iPhone? No, if you're really into photography and stuff like that, you're going to have a DSLR or you're going to have a nice actual camera body that you're going to try and take those amazing pictures with. The time that that works, the time of having like a nice camera on your phone is for those like impromptu moments where like, oh, look at that sunset. I really want to take a picture and you don't have your big camera with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, all that stuff is nice, but I don't need that in my phone. If 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 you're really into photography and and that sort of stuff, yes, you're gonna have a nice DSLR or 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 whatever or, or actual film camera even, you know. Yeah. Um. So that that kind of stuff, while it's great to have in your pocket, doesn't really wow me. Um. 
to me, like uh, between the five and the six, like the phone changed as far as the size of it. And it felt better in your hand. And like even the plus, while it was too big for me, it works for a lot of people. You have a plus. Um, to I me, love the screen size, the real estate. That's really sure. Like, I'll deal with the uncomfortable and you get used to it over time. The uncomfortable you know, size and girth of the thing is just. You know, you get over that after a while. Yeah, but other than other than the cameras that we're talking about, the fact that you you can maybe uh, it's a little more water resistant, or the new watch is is waterproof or water resistant up to fifty meters or something like that. Um, there, to me, there was no big uh, uh, step up between the six and the seven. You know what I'm saying? Actually, there was one thing. Okay. Um, and it's we. I live in an apartment. Um, you've spent the last few years in an apartment. You just recently got a home, but. Home kit. We're moving into an era now where, and I can speak from this from the tech perspective, being familiar with what Cisco is doing, what uh, Samsung is doing, and what uh, Google and they bought Nest and all. They're really investing. IBM's really investing in. Uh, Intel's really investing in all these smart home. I'm doing air quotes. Um, <laughs> uh, Doctor Evil style, right? Smart home. Yeah. Um, lasers, <laughs> right? It's kind of the point, right? <laughs> so there's this whole movement going on, uh, that you guys as consumers probably see for smart homes where it comes to you going to Lowe's and you see these light bulbs that have Bluetooth and they'll connect to your phone. What you don't see behind the scenes is the absolute chaos, uh, that's kind of the land grab and what we in tech call the internet of things. All right. And what the Internet of Things is, is sensors, light bulbs, all these different little things that are interconnected with all of your smart devices. So your smartwatch, your smartphone, your PCs, your tablets, all of that stuff, all of the your lights, your fans, your uh, thermostats, your door locks. All of those things that are part of your house that we've I think always even like your refrigerator now. There's the refrigerators like, yeah, have, yeah. you know, you uh, which who gives a shit. But my point is, is that the I need the, cold beer. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I don't even know when my beer's cold, so I have to put a Blue Mountain on it. iPhone, tell me what temperature. Yeah, is beer. So my point is, is that the, it has been absolute chaos on the vendor side of tech, almost as a crazy land grab to try and just grab market share of this whole smart home movement and Internet of Things that's going on right now. So the perspective that I can give on that is that. Apple has invested heavily in what they call HomeKit. And HomeKit is basically a development platform that um, app developers can use to control all of the smart things in your house and link them all together. That's so cool. what you're going to see in the next couple of years is all of these products that are being brought to market by Samsung and GE and Cisco and IBM and Intel that are going to become staples on the consumer side of the world of, of a home are now going to be able to be controlled by smart devices. So you can say something like, you know, let's, let's think of your, um, uh, Amazon echo, right? Yeah. Alexa, we're leaving. And Alexa will change the thermostat temperature, uh, uh, turn all the lights off, turn the fans off, do what, and just this whole series, this, this, you know, formula of things that you create is this big macro, uh, to do when you say that command. Yeah. And it's kind of the evolution of AI in a sense. If we really want to get into that, which could be a whole episode on itself, I won't sure. go too deep, but what we're seeing is the beginning of AI to an extent to control things with voice commands and, and things like that. 
But my argument to that would be that's awesome. Is that more of a iOS 10 thing or is that an iPhone 7 thing? My it is point- 100% an iOS thing and has absolutely nothing to do with the hardware that's in the device. That's what I'm getting at. So typically every year or every two years even, they, you know, we get, okay, so two years ago we get, here's the new iPhone 6. Holy cow, look at this thing. This is awesome. And then they're like, here comes the 6S, which is a modified version of the 6, but it's got 3D touch on it. Okay, whatever. So you would hope each time they've done a, a number without an S on it, there's been some major sort of, I don't even want to call it major, but there's been at least a big sort of selling point. Like, this is why you need to get this. I've already read a number of reviews of, of their of their presentation today that many people are already looking forward to iPhone 8. Yeah. And that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible that we have to wait two years for them to announce iPhone 8 to hope that they have something that maybe has some of the technology that the other phone companies are doing. And yes, I'm going to tell you right now, the Galaxy 7 or whatever those things are, uh, they are they have more features and functions and cool shit than, than an iPhone 7 does. They're always kind of like catching up at this point where they used to be the innovators, in my opinion. I saw a tweet from Garmin today during the event, and they were like, oh, waterproof and GPS? That's cool. We've had that for 11 years <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a watch, right? Yeah. So the, there's this overwhelming perception that Apple, when Apple does something, it's innovative and all of these crazy things. What you guys as consumers have to understand is that that is 100% Silicon Valley speak. When Craig Schiller got up today and said, we got rid of the iPhone, the, the, the headphone jack because of courage. Oh, God. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. No, we got rid of the iPhone jack so you can buy our wireless earpods. Right, buy which, our $160 which, yeah. uh, AirPods. I want to say it right. AirPods. Sure. And now we're going to have a Beats version. So the AirPods, in case you don't know, they look just like the little jawbone Bluetooth headsets that you see people walking around with. There's just one in each year now. Right. Like the, So that annoying guy that's like walking around with his earpiece in, that right. you're like, why are you walking around with your earpiece in? Now he's going to have two and they're white and they're really going to stand out. Right. And so I was like, well, my first thought was, well, shit, those are going to fall out. I'm going to lose those even easier than the right. you know, the wired earpods, right? Yeah. Which I love the form of the earpods in my ears. The problem I have with them is I got weird ears and one <laughs> falls out every now and then. So now that I have Wait, these your, untethered. Your, your, your ear falls out? Not my ear. (laughs) So now I have these untethered AirPods in in my ear, and one's going to fall out every now and then. Am I going to notice? I don't know. This is $160. Well, maybe you get a replacement if you pay $130 for the Apple Care program on those AirPods. Or I could buy the $300 Beats version. That's the necklace with the tethered AirPod thing. You know what I'm saying? This is totally... I want to say that there was an engineering motivation behind removing the the three and a half millimeter jack. Unfortunately, it was just fucking unnecessary. Well, it's a way for them to sell more of their own product, right? Totally. Because because if you want, to, here's the thing that that uh, that I also read. So if if you want to have plug-in earphones, because most people want to have plug-in earphones, but those plug-in earphones won't have the three and a half millimeter jack anymore. You have to have it with a lightning connector, correct? Which is another Apple proprietary product. We originally created the lightning adapter to be uh, a way for you to an alternative way for you to listen to audio, not charging. They came out today and said that the original reason they created the lightning adapter, which you all know is the way that you charge your iPhone today, they originally were going over concepts of ways of eliminating the three and a half millimeter jack. So what did they do? They created a lightning dongle. Uh, that's about what three inches long that will give you a three and a half millimeter jack out of the lightning port right 
Yeah, you know, it's, here's the thing. There's two things, two new standards that are coming out uh, very soon. One is called USB-C, which you may or may not heard of. I well, haven't. we could talk about that a little bit more another time. I'll put some links in the in the show notes here, but uh, USB-C is becoming going to become the next iteration of USB, and it's going to be universal in the sense that it can do all things to everything. So you're going to be able to put a uh, kind of a butterfly adapter into a single USB port and have uh, uh, almost a flurry of one port to many okay. in a sense. So you'll be able to charge. You'll be able to listen to music. You'll have uh, a charging adapter. You'll have a 3.5-millimeter jack. You'll have all these other things. Think of it as a universal port replicator right. out of one USB port in a sense. The lightning adapter, originally the concept was to be that. A proprietary version of that that Apple was going to use, but they smartened up and realized that the industry universally was going to go towards USB-C. So Lightning kind of evolved into this new charging port, and now we're seeing it as a multi-use. It's going to be able to do Thunderbolt. It's going to be able to do um, uh, digital audio as well as charging all at the same time. So think of it as a USB-C equivalent port replicator for iPhone is ultimately what it's going to be. Here's I'm gonna break it down in, in a real simple way. Uh, yes, I'm I'm old school and like oh you can't change my stuff. Get off my lawn. Here's my thing. I want to go fly on an airplane and I want to listen to a, a song on my phone or I want to watch a movie because eventually iPad's gonna get rid of the uh the ear or the headphone jack as well. It's coming, I'm sure. Right. So my Bose noise canceling headphones, which I love to be on a plane and watch a movie on my iPad or listen to music on yeah. my phone are now obsolete. I have to buy a version of that that maybe has a lightning connection to it. Unless, and maybe I haven't read this yet, is there a three and a half inch to a to a lightning adapter? Is that even yes. possible? Okay, then that's... And they're going to charge you 30 to $50 for fine. it. That's better than paying $160 for a... For a, for a pair a, of a pair loose of earpods, earpods which, that you'll lose. If I drop them on the plane, <laughs> I'll never see them again because I dropped them in my gin and tonic or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. After having a few too many, but whatever. Um, Look, uh, the whole point of this of this episode has been great expectations because we've just been swimming in all of these lackluster deliveries of things, and and I kind of want to wrap this up and segue into something that we're both really excited about, and and that's what's coming with Destiny. Well, there's well, <laughs> and this is something you and I are both really excited about. So we've talked a lot of shit about a lot of stuff. In this episode, but I want to get into something that I think is going to be really, really positive. Before we get into that, there is one more great expectation thing that happened not even hours after this iPhone announcement. PlayStation, our old friend PlayStation, who we both love. Oh, I completely forgot about this. Yes, there's another great expectations thing that came out today. Not to mention this happens 24 hours after the PlayStation Network went down again. Again, for hours. Why does that network always go down? Explain to me what the fuck a DDoS is. Okay. I don't know that, if that's, that's a whole episode on itself. I don't know what it's that was. It's a coordinated yesterday. attack where people send very large. You've heard of a ping? Yeah, yeah. You can ping your computer. You sure. Can ping your, so imagine if I sent you 10 million pings right. to a single interface on your network. Uh, listen, all, these addresses for these servers that are out there that host your Destiny games yeah. are public IP addresses. And if I coordinate, if chi- somebody, if a group of 100 people in China or 100 different sources coordinated an attack via a script to a single IP address, DDoS stands for uh, Distributed Denial of Service. Yep. 
And basically what you're doing is you're overloading that network interface of the server that you're playing Destiny on yeah. repeatedly and so the server tens just, the of like, millions of do. times. Does not compute server it down. Just, so it's so flooded. It's not down, but it's so flooded that it cannot s- handle the network traffic. And it sends help desks and system teams into full-on panic mode. I don't know if it's confirmed if yesterday's thing was a DDoS attack. but you, I think it was, actually. Okay. I, I'll have to dig that up. If it was, I'll put it in the show notes for you guys. But you have to agree that uh, PlayStation Network does not have a very strong track record as far as keeping their network live. Uh, yes had, and no. They've had a I number mean, of attacks. I, that in, in, compared to what? Uh, you know, Blizzard has faces this all the time with Warcraft and Destiny. And there was uh, the big PlayStation one a couple of years ago where we had to change all of our passwords. Like they got really hit, and it was oh, down well, for that almost, was, was that was, was part of the Sony hack, though, right? Right. It was uh, was it? I don't know if it was, but the PlayStation Network not the was email the, hack, but the PlayStation Network. Every was Christmas the, we have the Sony and Xbox right. craziness, right? DDoS attacks coupled it's, with new people getting which is consoles, just, which and is pure evil. It's chaos. Little right. kid getting a PlayStation finally for Christmas and can't play it because some hacker kid is like, hey, I'm going to fuck it up for him. Hey, part of that is not selling updated systems. If I have to... I have an Xbox One. I turned it on, and I had to spend two hours updating the thing, right? Yeah. Once that was done, I put the first game in, and I had to spend two hours downloading the game and downloading an update to be able to play the game. And you have really fast internet. I have the fastest internet possible in Los Angeles. I haven't played it since. Yeah. I can't imagine what that experience is like on Christmas Day or really high traffic or during a DDoS attack or anything. That was an optimal experience. So, yes... I think the holidays are a big deal. I think these DDoS attacks are a big deal. They're not going away anytime soon, unfortunately, because, I don't know, China and Russians hate us. Sure. They want to break all our shit for some reason. Who knows? So, but, yeah. Uh, what what the big announcement out of this PlayStation thing, which happened in New York 24 hours after another network attack, was we're coming out with the PlayStation New. Not the PlayStation with Keanu Reeves in it, but the PlayStation with... Uh, it's it's a little bit it's got a little bit of a faster processor Whoa. and 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 it, and it can handle uh, HDR and it can handle 4K a little bit better than or I don't even think the original PlayStation 4 which is only three years old by the way which uh, show of hands who has a 4K TV nobody nobody I mean, why would I why I, would, uh, and, and, uh, we'll get uh, who has a 10K or what is it uh, HDR 10 right format TV uh, nobody. Nobody. I don't even. I don't even know that they're being sold yet. To be honest with you, that's a whole nother. We'll get into that in another podcast. Just like the electronics companies and what we're what we're doing and what they're doing to try and get us to to buy more stuff. Um, we'll get into that in another time. But I guess uh, so. I, I don't know if this is Sony's answer to the to the Xbox S, that sort of slimmer Xbox that came out recently that may have a little bit more processing power or may have a little bit more hard drive space. Uh, this is the PlayStation Neo that is their sort of version of it. Everybody kind of makes fun of it because it looks like a set of stairs. <laughs> I, don't seen, I don't know if you've seen this thing, but uh, no, I'll look up pictures. So it's of it. A, I did not get to see that because I was still uh, writing about the uh, the the Apple event today. So I I have to go back and watch the PlayStation yeah. one. But I'm again great expectations. I'm not expecting a lot out of it. I, I just it, great. It's got a bigger hard drive. I the the within the first week of getting my PlayStation Four. I literally went to Best Buy and bought a two terabyte hard drive and did the whole right. replacement and reinstalled the PlayStation OS and just I haven't had an issue with that because by the time I downloaded and installed two games, yeah. my 500 gig drive was slam full. Yeah, it's amazing to think now in today's like the the amount of storage space that's just advancing so exponentially these days. Like 
three years ago, 500 gigs sounded like a lot of space. It did. And now 500 gigs sounds like my 80 megabyte hard drive from college. Bingo. Bingo. And and we're dealing with that in the enterprise. There are USB sticks that I just saw in like one of those Kinja deals. It's like, oh, you have a 128 gig fucking USB stick. (laughs) And it's it's the size of your thumb. Right. They call it a thumb drive. Yeah, a thumb drive with 128 gigs. And and they said at the Apple event today, they're not doing the 16 gig anymore. They're doing 32, 128, and 256. Right. Yeah. So this is. This is something that we all kind of... You could own every album on the planet and probably not... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, that depends on if you've got the full... uh, uh, What do they call it? uh, Uncompressed. Lossless audio. Lossless audio, flax. uh, I know there's those enthusiasts out there, but whatever. Uh, But this is... I specifically work in the storage sector of the tech industry, right? right? So I've been with, for the last 10 years or so, I've been with... uh, uh, various tech companies specifically around like enterprise storage. This is just, we kind of shrug our shoulders because uh, there's really, what you guys really need to know is there's only really three storage manufacturers in the world. Those are Toshiba, Intel, and Samsung. Any other drive that you might buy is an OEM of one of those three. What's an OEM? Original equipment manufacturer. So basically, you'll take, they'll buy uh, one of those drives and rebrand them as their own drive. Western Digital. I'm, I'm, I, maybe I messed Wrong up. Wrong podcast. Okay, sorry. Well, <laughs> we might have go, it depends on how far down we want to go down that rabbit we hole. We can cut but, that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave it in. Point is, uh, flash memory is a whole new thing. What, what you have in your phone is what we call flash memory. Uh, basically, it's the stacking of cells of storage instead of a spinning, spinning disk, hard drive, right? right? So uh, this whole there's a whole revolution going on right now in the tech side of the world with enterprise storage and flash media. And the consumer side of the world is, funnily enough, really the ones pushing the boundaries because of photos and videos and Facebook posts and all of this stuff that we as consumers are just accumulating are really pushing the boundaries of this. And that's one of those things where it really just continues to push and push and push. And just like anything else, make it bigger, make it smaller. Bigger, better, stronger, faster. But smaller. But smaller, my hand, but smaller in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind. I, that that could just go dirty any way we... I'm, all right, moving okay. on. <laughs> so, so to wrap that part up, yeah. basically PlayStation came out with, a, with, a, with their... I, I think their answer to the to the uh, uh, the Xbox S. Um, but all of this is is going to be, um, I guess, moot. Uh, I think it's next year that this Xbox Scorpio comes out, which you've heard of is 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 the is the is their console that is like super powered and has something bajillion. I don't know what if it's a bajillion, some sort of teraflops of processing power and it's upgradable with like you think of it as like having your own uh, uh, computer tower that you can constantly upgrade, but an Xbox instead. So I don't know if this is the console sort of like uh, just still trying to 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 latch onto the you still need to buy a console because honestly it could all be internet based at this point right no let me ask you a question okay what they're doing is they're latching onto the Apple model okay um and, and what you're seeing so what is the six S what is the difference between the six and the six S uh three D faster processor and three D touch <sighs> a couple of little things right. right. What they're doing is they're latching onto the Apple model. So you're willing to go out and drop six, eight, 
thousand dollars on on a new iPhone because it has just a little bit of better hardware. And if it's marketed right, and it'll do open it. Facebook faster. Yeah. Right. Right. So why not do that on a four hundred dollar console? Yeah, it's not a bad and idea. It's and, basically and, just upgrading the hard drive or the uh, hard drive capacity. And the processor speed to get a little bit more, even though the games aren't really built for that. Their games are built for the lowest common denominator. In right. case anybody doesn't know, so yeah. games that still support PS3 and Xbox 360, you're buying those for your PS4, but they're built right. and compiled and coded to be able to support the lowest these common denominator. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. My point is, is that they're releasing these new consoles as a way to continually upgrade year over year generate revenue these are companies these are businesses let's not forget that yeah they need that revenue stream to sure. constantly go and if they only released a new playstation every five years which it was the last i think the last life cycle of xbox 360 and playstation 3 was seven years which was on the long end yeah so yeah i mean every three years that because uh, ps3 was freaking awesome the, and you remember there was like the ps3 and then the ps3 slim came out that had a little bit of a better processor and then uh the xbox 360 and then there was like the xbox elite which was the smaller black one that was also a faster processor so i guess this is this is not something that hasn't happened before i'm just surprised that it's happening this quick and it's uh the thing that that, that struck me was like okay it's 4k ready it's hdr ready but you can't play any 4k ultra blu-rays in this model are you kidding me sony you invented blu-ray yeah well you and Toshiba? No, Blu-ray no, is Toshiba a Sony. Toshiba was H, uh, is HD DVD. Sony Blu-ray. Blu-ray is a Sony property. That is right. a proprietary thing. And they won. Them. They won that they war. They did win. You know why? Porn. What? Look it up. Oh, God. Okay. Can we talk about Destiny now? I got to pee. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Can we talk about Destiny now? I mean, I'll always talk about Destiny. It's my favorite game ever. <laughs> yeah, you put up a really awesome post uh, a couple weeks ago that really, and, and I remember asking you about this, and I'm like, look, we all read the websites. We read Planet Destiny, Games Informer, all those things that the, the major syndicated stuff where they talk about stuff. But I remember specifically asking you as a, a, a hardcore kind of Destiny player that plays it every day, that has been playing it since the, the vanilla iteration of it, what are the five things you're most excited about? And that was the post that you ended up putting up. So I wanted to go through those things as part of this to break off from the great expectations in a sense that we've been going through in this episode to close us off here with some, things that we're actually excited about something that we're actually and excited we, about. and we think are going to deliver. And we believe that Bungie's going to friggin' deliver on this because they always do. Yeah. I mean, Bungie delivers. They, they do. And, and uh, uh, again, we're, we're, we're fans of video games and, mm -hmm. and one of the greatest video game franchises of all time is Halo. And if you haven't played Halo, you probably aren't listening to this. Um, Let's take a step back. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Destiny. Everybody should be familiar with that game and what it is right now. Um, it is Bungie's. Uh, look at it as their sort of uh, uh, their their next 
sort of expansion of Halo, but not with Halo, but take the gun mechanics of Halo and put it in a, a, a game and, and it's in a different world and you're a character that that is, you know, it's forget the story part. The story is, is shit. We know that and you'll probably read that. And maybe it'll get better. But here's here's the basic thing. Do you like running around and shooting guns? Yes. Do you like running around and shooting guns at people? Yes. Do you like running around and shooting guns at other like players? Yes. Okay. Do you play Call of Duty? Yeah, I like playing Call of Duty because the multiplayer. Well, that's there. Do you like playing just to run around and shoot aliens? You don't have to deal with anybody else. It's just if you want to run around and just shoot stuff and finish stuff. Yes. Okay. Do you like running around with a bunch of your friends and shooting a bunch of stuff and killing things together and accomplishing something as a group the whole time, like kind of hanging out with your friends too? Yes. All of that stuff is in one game. And that's Destiny. World of Warcraft. Yes, that's you're you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But on the console side, uh, and and I've been playing console games since Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which didn't have a network. Anyways, uh, to me, Destiny is 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 my favorite game ever made. I've never spent as much time in a game uh, as I have on this one. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe the NHL games. No, it's not no? even close. It's not even close, wow. dude. It's not okay. even close. And I've been playing NHL since NHL '93. If so. you look in that box right over there, there's a copy of Sega Genesis NHL '95. Yeah, I've That'll got. Blow your mind. I've got all my old Genesis games, <laughs> and I can bust them out whenever I want to play them. Uh, but but still, uh, I, I've never I've never played a game and, and sunk this many hours into it. Uh, uh, it. And it's it's borderline crazy how many hours. And I could call it up but i actually don't want to know um i play it on xbox one and on ps4 uh and and uh nick started playing it on ps4 because i kept saying like dude you got to play this dude you got to play this dude you gotta play this you and glenn both actually yeah. kind of actually it was last thanksgiving i think finally i downloaded the original i couldn't get into the story i was lost i was bored yeah. i was like whatever it was missing the this i missed you guys right. like so then glenn started telling me about it and then you started going crazy about it and then uh, Lorenzo told me that he was playing it. So everybody just all of a sudden. And that was right friends. around, if I remember correctly, that was right around the time that the Taken King dropped, which yes. is about a year ago. About so, Thanksgiving of last year. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, here's the deal. The game's been out for two years. Uh, there's been a couple of expansions on it. Uh, the final expansion, we believe, for the first iteration of the Destiny disc that we bought two years ago, The Rise of Iron, is coming out September 20th. So 13 days from today, and by the time you listen to this podcast, it might only be a week away. Maybe. Or it could be tomorrow. You never know. But if you haven't played the game before, now's the time to get in. If you've played the game, but you kind of were like, eh, I'm kind of done with it for a little while, now's the time to come back. Yeah. And if you play the game all the time, now is the time to keep playing. Um, essentially, it's 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 my favorite first-person shooter that's ever been made, and and we can talk about it. I, get, I don't even know where to start, so why don't you... Well, I, I think what I would want to cue you up on is the... You know, you wrote this amazing post a couple of weeks ago that really just... What I was talking about earlier was the five key things that you're excited about, not what the industry or what the player base or any of these other things. I asked you, I remember asking you specifically, what are the five things that just geek you the fuck out about Rise of Iron and what's going to change? And you gave me this list of five things and we went through and we, we made this post. So. Yeah, and, and even even since this post was written, some other things have come out that, that are also... Yeah, like getting, private PvP, that's oh, going to be huge! That's the biggest thing that's come out. I mean, that's one of the things that the community has been asking for for, for years. But... Um, let, let's start with this. So uh, l let's assume that you guys have played it or you might have, you know, at least dabbled in it a little bit. So uh, as you know, there are there are certain portions of Destiny. You, you can play certain strikes, which is a, a three man 
uh, sort of battle through a through like a, a dungeon, right? Yeah. It's it can it takes roughly around uh, maybe fifteen to twenty minutes to get through this thing, and you go through a certain number of enemies, and you finally get to a final boss, and you kill the final boss, and then maybe he could drop uh, a, a a weapon or a piece of armor that is exclusive to that boss, and you might get it. That's the whole thing. The game is RNG based, just like any other. Right. And RNG is random number generator. So imagine if you had played Dungeons and Dragons back in the day, and you rolled a a twenty sided die, and if you hit number eighteen, you might get the the super sword. Same kind of thing in Destiny. If you kill Atheon, the 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 boss in the original raid, uh, he might drop this amazing gun called the Fatebringer. And the Fatebringer is this gun that you don't even have. Fate yeah. Bringer. But it's it's it. Okay. So essentially. Um, there are people that will run these strikes over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to hope that this one gun drops. Because let's give an example. So uh, uh, on the Omnigal strike, uh, she, if you kill this crazy wizard in this room, she might drop this gun called the Grasp of Malak, right? And it's this amazing pulse rifle that is really good in uh, PvE and PvP. That's the thing about Destiny also. I like the fact that, and yes, it works in Warcraft as well, but you can get these great guns, and it's all about chasing the guns and the armor and the pieces that you want, and then if you get that gun, it might be good, but you might be able to do it again and get a better roll on the gun. Like Maybe it has better person. Maybe it shoots guys in the face better, or maybe maybe it has more range if you get it with this one. But... Again, it's all random. So if you're get, if you're trying to get this thing to drop and you, you finally get it, it's like, yeah, I got it. Oh, but it doesn't quite have the role that I want. But you know what? I'll keep going again. So there are people that will literally run this strike incessantly for days. And maybe this gun drops five times. and They finally get the one that they want. Right. What if you had a sort of uh, a, a, a like a, 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 a talisman or what do you want to call that? A uh, uh, call it well here's what they call it they call it a skeleton key so when you when you beat a strike in the new rise of iron you might get a skeleton key to drop so then you when you run that strike again if you play that skeleton key in a specific strike that you want to get that certain piece of armor for it increases your chances if not guarantees the fact that you will finally get that gun doesn't guarantee you a good roll but it might get you the gun that you want. It gives you an extra chance at at getting what you're there for, regardless of what the boss may Yes, and there's, and there's a mechanic in the game that already exists called the Three of Coins, which you're familiar with, yeah. which means when you're doing any sort of activity, when you beat an Ultra, which is a high-level boss, or even if you just go through a round of Crucible, you have a better chance for an exotic weapon to drop. Uh, exotic weapons always have the same role, but when you get one, you know, it's it's awesome. Um, but I would argue that... that these these strike specific specific weapons have always been tougher to get than the exotics. Oh, of course, yeah. Because eventually, during the end of the week, you know, Zer might sell the exotic that you want. These skeleton keys, to me, sort of like up the game as far as the uh, uh, getting those like sort of highly sought after weapons that you can only get if they maybe drop in this maybe strike thing it might happen. So how do how do I get a skeleton key? What's like, the what's the mechanic there? Normally, we've been doing these strikes. We we depend on either three of coins or generic boss drops to give me that piece of loot. What above and beyond that does skeleton key give me yet another chance above and beyond three of coins to get another chance at that piece of loot that I'm looking right, for? Right, but if well, that's the thing, like so, let's say you do the omnigal strike, but you've already got a grasp malak that you like, and a skeleton key drops, but maybe you don't have the uh, imago loop from the the hand cannon from the undying mind strike. Maybe you want to save that skeleton key and then go back through a different strike and uh, use it there to try and get a better 
chance at that one piece that you don't have. Basically, what they've learned is they've they've they know that the, the they're they're trying they're trying to take away the grind as, as as much as they can and still try to reward the players a little bit quicker. I think that's what they've learned overall. So a skeleton key is like a bonus roll uh, that right. you can elect to use in any strike. Uh, it's not strike specific. Is that correct? The skeleton key itself. I yes. think I th- uh, from what I so read- I can use the skeleton key on any strike that I run to get a potential bonus chest right. or whatever. Right. So rather than farm incessantly the onigal strike to get the grass and the lock, maybe you go do it once or twice and you have a couple of skeleton keys, which ups your chance of getting it quicker. Okay. Put it that way. I don't. I don't think it's a guaranteed drop, but it yeah. it's close. No, but I mean, to your point, it could remove a lot of the grind and the farming that that happens on these particular bosses or strikes to to try if that's all there if you're running the omnigal strike a hundred times to try and get a the grasp of Malak or the the omnigal bond or whatever it, it could potentially re- reduce the amount of times you'd have to run that too and I, oh, that's always good because I, I mean uh, nobody wants to do the exact same content a hundred times trying to get that believe me I I'm one that's I, I my main is a warlock so I I lo- I've been grinding the omnigal strike trying to get that omnigal bond um, because it's awesome. And and the the stats are really good on it. I think it's actually the still the best in slot for for warlocks to this point. It just so. yeah, it just depends. But I mean, but I think that'll open all new kinds of op- all kinds of new opportunities to uh, to get really get into um, get, uh, potentially getting that piece of gear for me. So, and you you've done it right. You farmed a strike a number of times, didn't you? With the, I think I've done. Did you and was it Jared that you guys farmed a bunch of strikes? Oh uh, no, we figured out how to farm Omnigool right with the, uh, before she flies away to the yeah, end of the strike. Yeah. And I bet we ran that a hundred times at this point. And, and I still it? never have an Omnigool bond. Right. So I still get- didn't get a grasp of Malak either. I think they did, but yeah. uh, you know, the, the irony of that is, is that do you continue to farm in a very efficient way or do you run the entire strike to get to the very end to use the skeleton key? I'm interested to see how that works out of that kind of dynamic. I think this is essentially a way for that. Bungie is responding to the community and basically trying to respect people's time. They, there are people like you and I that will play this game for hours on end, but there are people, you know, that are like, you know what? I got a couple hours each week. I want to try and get this gun. I don't want to sit there for four or five hours and hope that it lands. This gives those people an extra chance to get it. This is, this is a whole social dynamic we could spend an entire podcast talking about because it really just stems from World of Warcraft and that whole world. And there's the argument of do you cater to the hardcore raiders or do you cater to the casuals? Uh, you want the, one of the reasons Blizzard has made a lot of the decisions they've made in the last few years is because they want more people to be able to see the content that they spend hours and hours and hours upon hours of development effort and millions of dollars uh, paying these artists and these systems designers and all this stuff to create these worlds and these environments and these raids. Uh, why are you going to limit that to the 1% of the 1% that are capable of getting to that level when you could just you know, do that? So I, I think that because they're both Activision, under the Activision umbrella, That's what I was gonna get to, there's yeah. a lot of uh, influence there about what's going on and how you could make more. I mean, it's confirmed that, that uh, the Bungie guys have talked to the Blizzard guys about like what do we do when we make a raid? What do we do when we... I don't want to say it's that, but... What are the what are the ways to you know they they they're under the same umbrella like you were talking about let's let's figure out a way to you know because I mean 
God, World of Warcraft has to be the most successful, if not most played video game of all time, yeah. right? At this point, yeah. I think well, I mean, how many millions of subscribers do they have? Uh, well, I mean, at the peak, they were like 13 million subscribers, wow. uh, probably like 2008, 2009. Uh, and they've they've kind of had a little bit of an uptick. They went down to like seven, but they've come back up to around 10 or 11 million. And they just had the big release of Legion. Again, I, I you oh. know, I, I'm, I'm a lapsed player. I haven't played in a number of years. I liked the game, but I'm just not a PC guy, but I, I It takes love... an investment. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is that a lot of the things that they've, um, they've really moved towards is the what you just described, the guy that has a couple hours a day or even a week to log in, do some dailies, do a quick dungeon, yeah. and, and log off. And that's really what, you know, I, I think I see a lot of similarities there with Destiny. You can go to the robot, you can get your daily bounties, you can go to get your Crucible bounties, you can do whatever, however you want to play, whether you want to do pve or pvp you can or both you can accomplish those in an hour or so of gameplay and and then at the end of it you know you just log off and and one of the things we were talking about a little bit ago was that um it's it's the game that just keeps on giving because you constantly log in to do these things and there's always a carrot at the end of the stick absolutely absolutely so i think i think skeleton keys in a sense really just one-up this, what we've expected from strikes and the reason people farm them, it just gives you that extra carrot to potentially you know, get what you want. The whole reason you're doing the strike in the first place, it gives you an extra attempt at getting what you really want. From well, it. look at it from Bungie's perspective. So, I mean, obviously their, their main goal is to keep people playing their game, right? Yeah. So... I, I don't think that if, if suddenly you get all these guns, you're going to stop playing. It's just not that's just not the way this game is designed. I think this game constantly has something to do. Um, even if you have all the guns, you might not have the best roll of the gun. So you might go you just keep repeating get it, your right? Vanguard wrap up or get your dead orbit wrap up. And maybe you'll get another package that drops something else. And blah, 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 blah. Right. there's always a carrot at the end of the stick. To me, the other thing about this game um uh, I was never really a, a PvP shooter guy. For instance, like I played all the Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, and like that game was amazing. Um, and, you know, there's there's these, and I would always hate going into playing, like, okay, Call of Duty is play through the awesome story, right? And then now once you've done that game, the PvE element, player versus everyone, is pretty much over. So your next step is to go into player versus player. So go into the lobby and get your ass fucking destroyed by some 12-year-old kid right. who plays all summer. And <laughs> LOL, you suck! Yeah, exactly. And that was frustrating, and that was that was not necessarily demeaning. I would get excited if I threw, like, a like a grenade across the map and hit some dude in the face. I'm like, right. yeah, I got a kill, and I would, you know, like, your kill-death ratio was, you know, whatever. It was just fun to play a game, um, uh, that sort of style. I think the thing about Destiny is they've... They've made it where if you beat the story in Destiny, that's fine, but there's still enough PvE elements, player versus everyone elements, that you could just do every day. If you just want to play by yourself and do whatever, that's fine. But if you want to go in there and play against other players, that's fun too. And you get all of the all of the guns and all the stuff that you've earned, you can take into that realm as well. And certain guns work better in PvP than they do in PvE. And, and it's just it's it's this like constant sort of like uh uh, I mean, there's phone apps of like, okay. And like people have loadouts for certain things like, uh, 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 Ishtar commander is a perfect right. example of that. Uh, we're going to go do the raid. Well, I need my hung jury with my firefly, blah, 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 hit a button. Boop, and then all your stuff just ends up in, in the, in the thing. And you can do that sort of stuff. The fact that, so kudos to Bungie to make those APIs accessible to, for the app developers to be able to create those kinds of what's an API. 
An API is called an application programming interface. Programmable interface? Programming interface. I'm not sure. API, application programmable interface, right? Basically, that is extensions out of the data that exists on the Bungie servers for other app developers to hook in and create something like Ishtar Commander right? that allows you to control the game from an external source uh, such as that app yeah. uh, and move things around within the game. Yeah. So we call those APIs. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, the extensibility is what we call that. Um, the, the ability for, um, you know, if you look at World of Warcraft, you have the armory. Uh, if you look at Destiny, you have the Destiny at companion app. Right. Then you have things like Ishtar Commander. Which you have the Chrome. the Destiny app out of the way. Oh, Destiny app's a mess. But Ishtar Commander, the Chrome extension. Yep. Uh, to be able to do mat- just full page loadouts of all of your right. gear across all your characters. Uh, save those loadouts one click and you just convert everything over. Uh, that kind of stuff is the extensibility. Uh, you know, Bungie deserves kudos for that. And I really think, a, you know, Blizzard really opened the doors for a lot of that because we didn't really have that before yeah. World of Warcraft came around in 2004. And the 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 advent of the armory and the all the different sites like World of Logs and these different things that tracked player progress and guild progress and all of these things, damage meters that you did on certain boss fights and what worked and what... The, the ability to get to discrete data like that um, was really the ad. I mean, I got to give Blizzard credit for really opening that up first, and I think we're seeing a lot of that stuff come f- uh, out of Bungie as well, with like the Destiny Ghost Trackers and yep. the Fragments yep. and yep. all of these like gear comparisons and things like that of who's doing damage, etc. So um, the next thing I really want to move on to here is that um, uh, l- l- one of the reasons I originally quit playing the game. Uh, in the vanilla state of it was the story. Right. I I get hooked into a story. Of course. Um, I got hooked into the World of Warcraft story originally. Yeah. You know, I, I got played the original games in the 90s. Uh, I was like, oh, God, we can now move down into at the ground level of this world. And, and we can now actually like play these characters. That really intrigued me. Destiny? Nah. So one of the big things you wrote about in your post was character development. And that was kind of the second big bullet of the five things. And I, what what are we expecting to see out of Rise of Iron in the sense of how are we going to move this story forward from uh, what we got in, you know, go from the, um, what was the dark one? Uh, oh, Crota, the Dark Below? Dark Below to Taken King and Vault, we had Vault of Glass and then we had Taken King. And, and, and where are we going to go from here as far as story is concerned? I think Rise of Iron is, is not necessarily a further progression of the of the main Guardian story, which is your character and this whole like the stranger thing that we saw. We saw this character that was like, oh, Guardian, go over here and go to the Vault of Glass. And uh, I don't think we're going to get a further uh, uh, story thing that furthers our Guardian. I think we're going to... Um, there's going to be something that, that, that goes along to, to find out about the rise of iron. I guess it's, it's the fallen have, have some sort of SIVA technology um, that, uh, you know, they're going to, uh, I guess, come towards the Cosmodrome, the earth basically. Uh, um, but I think it's almost like a, I don't want to call it an episode one, even though this is episode one, but we're going to go back and we're going to learn about the iron Lord. So every month there's this big PVP event, which you and I play all the time called iron banner. 
And that's old salad. Yes. But that's what we're going to learn about. We're going to learn about why this guy is in charge of uh, the Iron Banner. And who are these Iron Lords? We get these guns called uh, Galeon's Demise and Ephrodite's Spear and Jolder's Hammer and Finale's Peril and all of these. Who were those people? Who was who was uh, who was Ephrodite? Who was Jolder? Jolder's actually a girl. It turns out we found out. Um but this whole story is, 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 from everything I've heard, is it's Lord Saladin's story, and we're going to find out why these Iron Lords existed and what they used to protect in the in the, in the in the tower, and how that sort of backstory works, and why the Iron Banner exists. And yes, it doesn't further our story of like what's next uh, with our Guardian. I think that's all coming in, in Destiny Two sometime next year. But I think this is I think I think we're we're approaching year three of this game, uh, and I think it's going to be sort of like uh, uh, here's what we know up to this point, and you're going to learn about the Iron Lords, and then it's going to be a full reset coming into Destiny Two about all right, now we're going to move the story forward. Yeah. So uh, moving right along, let's look at artifacts. Um, you know that was the third big thing you brought up here. There, there's this whole overhaul of artifacts that's going on. Uh, and, and and you kind of laid it out as it was one of the most anticipated things. And the things that I've read, uh, such as a, a piece about uh, that Planet Destiny put up, was this way that they're handling artifacts and their how their bonuses work. And, you know, um, it'll feature eight new class agnostic artifacts. So tell to me about that a little bit and what's your impressions. Why does that matter? Why should I give a shit? Okay, so... Um, uh, Destiny's always been about light level and uh, your your combination of like let's say you have a two something gun and a 200 and blah, blah 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 like so your light level is your overall power that your guns and your armor have like your defense and your your offense are based on a number and the highest light level you can currently get right now is 335 and in order to hit a 335 light level you also have to have a 335 artifact which is, again, some sort of piece of something. Think of it as like a coin that's in your pocket that just gives you extra power of some kind. Right. Right now, they're just like, okay, it bumps up your intellect and your discipline, and that's all it does. Whereas now, the artifacts are going to actually have an effect on your sort of gameplay. So there's going to be like a one that's like, all right, uh, instead of having your super, you can have an extra grenade or whatever if you're wearing this artifact. Or... Uh, if you're wearing this artifact, the uh, the DOT damage or dot damage, uh, damage over time, uh, doesn't affect you. So when somebody's running thorn against you and you get hit with a thorn bullet and you start getting hit and like your damage just drops because you got hit with a poison dart, no, no more. It doesn't happen anymore hmm. if you're wearing that artifact. So these artifacts are things you're going to go after. Uh, the artifacts before were like, okay, you can only get these artifacts on a hunter. You can only get these artifacts on a titan. You can only get these artifacts on a warlock. Now you get these artifacts that are... Uh, not class agnostic, if you want to call it that. Um, so if you want to transfer your artifact over that does these special abilities, any of your guys can wear it. So um, memory of Perun adds ability to highlight guardians with a full super in yellow and guardians with low health in red. So when you're running around in the crucible and you're like, oh, no, I, I don't want to go over there because that Titan's ready to throw his bunch of hammers at me. There'll like <laughs> literally be a thing about that guy that says like a yellow bar. So, you know, that guy has a super. You're going to get the fuck away from him. Right. Stuff like uh, the memory of Silimar Dramatic, dramatically reduces the uh, the DOT effects, which is I just told you about. Uh, memory of Galeon gain detailed radar at all times, including when aiming a primary. So, like, there's certain guns that have a third eye perk, like the Mita has one or the Mita has one, or sometimes you can get that to roll. Meaning, when you're aiming down sights, your radar is still up, and you know where people are as you're aiming down sights. Typically in Destiny, when you're aiming your gun, your radar goes away, right. and you don't know where people are. What if you had a, uh, an artifact? You know, you don't you, like. Let's say you want to use a hand cannon that doesn't have third eye, but you want to have third eye. 
you have it now if you wear that artifact. Uh, it's kind of cool. Well, one of the things that stands out for me, and you put this in your post, was uh, these special artifacts that are coming in Rise of Iron are going to have their own backstory. And it kind of goes back to the previous thing we were talking about with character development and story and why, you know, original Destiny kind of stuff. Now we're going to get this whole chain of quests and events and the way that you can earn this artifact. Or, uh, we're going to get these backstories of lore behind all of these different artifacts. Good point, because all of these artifacts are named after the Iron Lords. Memory of Radagast, Memory of Perun, Memory of Jolder, Memory of Similar, Memory of Velwinter. All of those things are named after Iron Lords. So this whole thing... Is going to be about all these Iron Lords and honoring them. And there's a whole new social space. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but there's like this like big fire thing with like you see all these statues of the old Iron Lords, and I don't know. It just looks awesome. I don't want to watch anything else because I don't want to spoil. No, it. I, mean, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, we're 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 less than two weeks away from this, so uh, I think it's going to be a, a really cool thing. So the, I think that's awesome. I, I I even listened to the shout out to the guys Destiny the show the podcast over there. I I listened to that this week, and apparently. Even in the last couple of weeks, we've learned, since you put up this post, we've learned more about uh, Sparrow Racing League and what oh. that was going to be. And I'm, I can't rave you, about you, how much <laughs> I enjoyed that one time that we got that so far. And the what I'm hearing about that is what it's going to turn into. Yeah, and there was, how it's going to be even bigger and outside the scope of racing your Sparrow, uh, how that whole event is going to come to be. So my personal hopes is that it becomes a frequent event. Yeah, like at, once a like month. Like Iron Banner. Once a well, month. It would be you know? great. But but uh, so, okay. So backstory on this is last December, yep. uh, they they announced, and this is kind of just after you started playing. They're yeah. like, all right, so we're going to do this thing called Sparrow Racing League. So here's the deal. Every single Guardian that you have essentially has a speeder bike, like right. from Return of the Jedi, that you can like zip around these planets on, right? You can go on Earth and Venus and the moon and Mars. Oh, you can't do it on the Dreadnought, which sucks. But anyways... So you can get uh, sparrows that are a little bit faster than the other, or they might do more flips or whatever. So imagine if you and five of your friends could race Mario Kart style without the blue shells. You Private know, around, PvP. Yeah, we're, we're getting there too, but still. Um, so for a three-week period in December of last year, like, hey, it's Sparrow Racing League. And everyone's like, what? This is amazing. So it was just like race, 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 race. And you would get drops after it of like a really cool helmet. Uh, and you could, and uh, it would up your light level, and right. it was just, it was just a ton of fun. And everybody has been clamoring, like, "Where's Sparrow Racing League? Where's Sparrow Racing?" It's been League? almost a year at this yes, point. Yes, it has, and they're saying yes, it's coming back in December again. I don't know if it's just for a month, but they're saying, Ugh. and they are, there were only two maps, but they're saying there's going to be some more maps, but people want it, and that's the thing about Bungie right now is, if people scream about it enough, they hear it and they'll they'll figure out a way to implement it in, to a degree, right. Which leads us right into what you were just talking about, private matches. Yeah. That is a game changer for this game. So this wasn't even, I don't think this was even announced when you put this post Correct. up. Correct. It was, uh, I mean, I, I imagine if you combined, imagine if we could find five of our people, let's say me, you, Glenn, Jared, Lorenzo, we could all just get in and just race each other in a Sparrow race. So let's combine private PVP with Sparrow uh, racing. I don't know if Sparrow racing is going to be an option on that. To that be could, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. But imagine this. Um, you can go into any map on Destiny, right? With as many as 12 people. You could have a 6v6 with 12 people that you know. You could have 11 versus 1. Or if you want, you could just have 1 versus 0. And you know what you would do? You could just walk around that map mm -hmm. and learn it and figure out where stuff is and figure out where maybe like, okay, if I... I didn't even think about that. Yes. If I aim my gun down this thing, this is a good sniper lane. Or if I'm waiting around here or, 
if if it's a way to practice uh, as you know team based stuff or it's a way to have like a fun private game with all your friends. Like let's say your regular team of six that you would take into Crucible or Iron Banner. Like let's say you just say like, all right, me, Nick, and Jared versus Glenn, blah blah blah. Right, go, and then you just you have fun, and it's you and your buddies just trying to shoot each other. It's it's the equivalent of the four of us sitting on a couch and playing Goldeneye. Oh, right. God. It's the same thing because it's 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 you know what I mean. Like okay, best man wins. Or, Those were the days. Or you can even do this stuff where it's like, and you can switch teams in the middle of it. So like, let's say you're like, okay, you could do like the what is it, the infected mode from Call of Duty where. One guy goes and shoots another guy, and suddenly he's on his team now. Oh, and now yeah, you yeah. got two versus four, and he goes and shoots the other guy. Now it's like three a zombie three. Nazi thing or whatever Or it was, you could yeah. do like a juggernaut mode where you could say like, all right, you get to, like, Nick, you get to be all 335 stuff. The rest of us have to take guns, all blue guns that are like 170, right? Oh, so you're God. super powerful, and the rest of us are trying to stop you. Yes. The amount of, of creativity and like games that can just come out of this it's amazing. You can go to any map. You can set parameters. Like you can make light level matter. You can make it just like whatever. It's the the possibilities are endless. Which again, to me, extends the life of this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to both the private PvP stuff, and I really, 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 really hope that they make uh, SRL Sparrow Racing more frequent. Yeah, they should. If I have to wait once per year to do this, I don't. I don't care if it's only one new map, but just. Even if you give us the same two or three maps, make this a monthly thing. Absolutely. Like, because okay, so the, we know the, Iron Banner. The clown dropped. horns are yeah. so much fun. You get to make fun of all your friends. You yeah. get different sparrows. You get different horns. It's all vanity crap that doesn't really matter. It, but it's fun. And it's, it's something different than doing the same exact bounties every week. It's something different than doing uh, uh, Iron Banner PvP, which we'll talk to next here to kind of close things out. But uh, I, I just... Sparrow Racing League is so much fun. And yeah. the, it's, it's not running around shooting your buddies. It's literally racing Return of the Jedi speeder bikes yeah. around everywhere. And you, and unfortunately, there and maybe they'll add something where it's like, okay, you can shoot your sidearm off the side and knock a guy off the mat. I don't know. They could do whatever. The or you f- could do new tricks and like do some weird kick. Right. And, and you get kick a bonus, a guy off a bonus bike. Uh, uh, speed boost or something by doing a flip over or something. Who knows? They could Speaking of episode one. <laughs> Yes, the pod race. Um, it's kind of what it is. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, I, I, in a perfect world, in my perfect Destiny world, it would be, you know, Iron Banner comes around once a month, usually around like the middle of the month, around the 20th, right? So to me, it's like Iron Banner is a week. You take a week off without an event, and then you have Sparrow Racing League. Yeah. You take a week off, and you do Iron Banner. Wouldn't that be awesome? Every other week. Yeah, absolutely. every other week. And, 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 and you it, get it once a month. Yeah, and it gets people coming back. So maybe there's people that just like to do Sparrow Racing League, but at least they're coming into the game and playing it every every yep. you know every couple of weeks, every month at least. Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about before we get into the Iron Banner uh, like uh, redo is the other game mode that's very popular, which I'm terrible at, but I still love playing it, and I think is the is the most competitive and the best game in Destiny is Trials of Osiris. Do you Ooh. know what this is? I, I've heard of you it. Probably I've never done actually it. done You've it. So essentially this is Power Matters, three people versus three people. And you it's essentially elimination. So your three guys go up against their three guys in a predetermined map. The map is always the same. And you get to go, uh, and there's like a card. So like if you get a win or a loss and, you know, Something so, about a lighthouse or uh, the lighthouse is unattainable for most people, except for the super great streamers. And there are people that carry people through. It's a long story. But yeah. uh, to me, that's the most competitive thing. So it's but again, with private matches, you and your two buddies who are your trials of Osiris team can be like, OK, this week it's Pantheon. So we know we're not going to go down this sniper lane part of it. But our plan is you're going to go over there. You're going to wait over here. You're going to guard this. Let's practice this. 
and you could practice it against another three of your buddies who are also a Trials of Osiris team. And in, in sort of like, it's almost like a, you could do scrimmages, yeah. essentially. For sort of like intramural scrimmages yeah. sort of way, yeah. But in a safe environment with your buddies, and you're not going to be like, good guy from across the map, I can't believe you. Like, you're not going to have yeah. that. It's going to be like, hey, good play, good smart move. Why did you do that? Well, I saw you coming on that thing, so watch out for that corner. All right, cool. You know, like you can, you can really gameplay stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, speaking into gameplay stuff and PvP and that kind of thing, I really want to kind of wrap this up with um, Iron Banner. Because I think Iron Banner is going to get look. It's it's we've been playing with Lord Saladin for a year or so now, uh, if not longer, and we've known about the Iron Banner as a monthly kind of event for the course of a week every month, and now we're getting an entire sp- expansion called Rise of Iron, with the main protagonist being Lord Saladin, who we've known to be the guy from Iron Banner who gives us cool shit every week, every other week. So. I, where do we go? What's what's the deal with Iron Banner in Rise of Iron? Well, obviously it's the it's the main focus of the story. Um, uh, Iron Banner was uh, as far as the Destiny lore, and that's a tough thing to go find if you if you really want to look for it. Um, the Iron Banner thing is is Lord Saladin getting the Guardians ready to, for battle against the darkness or whenever. So essentially, you go and you practice in theory against other Guardians. The whole Crucible lore wise is like you guys go in there and just fight each other and. You're not really killing each other, but you're getting points and whatever. You're practicing for whenever the real big bad guys come. Right. That's the whole lore behind the Crucible. The Iron Banner is different because Iron Banner is all based on your light level. So power matters. Um, uh, for the last two years, it has been uh, it starts on a Tuesday and it ends on a Tuesday. And, and each day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, each day, the amount of rep that you get for playing each day uh, increases. So a lot of people would wait until the weekends to play. And they call that the tempered well, buff, there's, right? Well, the tempered buff is if you had uh, if you had an Iron Banner emblem and an Iron Banner shader for your gear, and if you had, uh, like, for instance, if you were a hunter and you had the wolf head cloak, you would get a, a 10% bonus of your rep gain. Well, that's different, though. That's putting the gear bonuses was, on there. The tempered the, buff. That was, te- that was the tempered buff. I thought the tempered buff was the days. Uh, the tempered buff was the was the gear, and then the the uh, the the uh, increase was was um, yes. It's 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 a combination of both. Yeah. So uh, yes, each each day your your rep your rep would increase as far as uh, you know as you, the further along you went into the week. And you and I both did things where we would be like, all right, we're just going to wait until Friday and we're going to hold on to these bounties, complete them, but not turn them in. And then when we, re- we turn them in on Friday or Saturday, they're worth a ton more. Right. You get to level five on one guy and you get the bonus for the other guys. So they're changing that. And well, they're getting rid of all of it from well, what yes. I understand. Well, the whole thing, the whole thing that destiny was sold on was, you know, uh, make your own destiny, be your own guardian. And the whole thing uh, for a while there, for the first couple of years, it was all about you wear the best gear and everybody had the same best gear because it was the best gear now, because light level is not necessarily gun or armor specific. You can wear whatever you like to wear and make yourself look like you want to like, uh, or you, look you like specifically it. called out something in your post where, there's a very for hunters. This is really cool because you don't have to wear the damn wolf's head. Right, we talked. It's very we, exactly. headlo- headshot talk- friendly for snipers yeah. and all that stuff. Right. Imagine. Okay, so imagine if 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 you're a hunter class, which is my favorite, um, your your iron banner thing that you always had to wear in order to get a, a reputation increase was you would essentially uh, imagine if you killed a wolf and put his pelt on your head. So you have yeah. a wolf head on top of your head. <laughs> so your head is the size of like under the giant's head, and. When you're running around a map, it's easy to see a giant wolf head down <laughs> down the map, and you could just snipe that right away. Like, ah, shoot the wolf in the head, right? 
Okay. And it's green and it's white. So it like stands out against right. a lot of the uh, different color backgrounds. Now you can wear what you want to wear with the proper intellect discipline strength build that you want. And you know, it, it makes it more competitive and fun. And the, and the thing about Iron uh, Banner, I agree. The thing about Iron Banner is it's always been about lag, but to me, it's always been about the fun and the grind. To me, that's been the most casual of the crucible games because it's just all about like let's just keep playing let's keep having fun and whatever well i i want to give a shout out to glenn here because he really called out something to me and and for people that play destiny this is this is one thing that i really harped on it's very easy to fall into the trap of you know fuck that guy he did he shot he there's no way he killed me and i can't believe i didn't get this piece of loot and it just turns into this negative kind of just energy yeah when you're playing pvp or any sort of iron kind of event like this. And this is universal. Absolutely. This has nothing to do with Iron Banner. This is total psychology of people playing stuff together. You want to make excuses for reasons you died. Right. Oh, that guy has red bar. He's yep. uh, all that stuff. I, I actually stopped playing Iron Banner for the last three or four months because yeah. of that, because I felt myself falling into that, you know, think of the, if you go back to our comic books, it's, it was venom wrapping sure. up in me. Right. Sure. I just I felt that kind of uh, thing as I played with other people that did that. I started picking up and doing it more. Oh, fuck that guy. He didn't kill me. But yeah. There's no way he did that. Uh, I, I think this I think this might change things for me a little bit. I think between private PvP matches, the ability to play with people that I know and trust and love and, and just enjoy that environment without having to deal with any other outside elements. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And the the idea that I don't have to look exactly like every other warlock to be able to progress as as quickly as possible, yeah, uh, without having to wear all the gear and the emblems and the shaders and all that stuff, uh, that's enticing to me. But I'm wondering what are they replacing all of that with, if anything, or are they just removing the need for it and removing the re the requirements for the experience to level up? Well, I mean, here's the thing. If you want to wear your wolf head gear because you think it looks awesome, and a lot of people do, you can. Yeah. You know? But the other thing... I want to wear my flayer cloak. But the other... Well, true. The other thing that's that's about, you know, this expansion is going to be there's a whole new set of stuff you can wear, and there's a whole new set of guns you can use. And that's fun. And that's exciting. And that's, oh, yeah. that's the thing. You know, it's, it's, it, it's essentially once September 20th hits at 2 a.m. Pacific time, which is when we can start playing... The chase is on, you know, and let's get all the cool stuff. And like, what's the best weapon? What's the best gun? Like this gun's Rex and Crucible, but it's not so good in PV, you know, PVE or whatever. And we got a new raid coming. Um, I will say this. You're, you, you are a PC gamer. You, um, you are, were very used to the social gaming thing and playing with headsets. Uh, I was very much an individual console gamer and still am to this day. But I will say that uh, Destiny opened up the social gaming aspect for me, which I had never done before. Um, and, and I've met a number of guys, some of them just happen to be local and some of them are, are from far away who, and then I've now met in person and like, you know, gotten to know them as people. Mm -hmm. And I never would have done that. Uh, when I would play call of duty back in the day, I wouldn't play with a headset. I just play it cause I didn't want to hear things or talk to people or anything. This game is very much a social thing and going through things with friends. And when you accomplish big things in this game, like a raid or do something really cool, you're doing it with your friends or doing it with people that you've met online. And the community is really cool and really helpful. And if there are people on there that you don't want to talk to, you just don't. And if you get into a raid group with somebody you don't like, you just don't do it with them again. I would, I would challenge you to go to hop on YouTube and go look at some of the uh, vanilla. Wow. World of Warcraft. Wow. Raid 
kills, boss kills. Oh, it's amazing. I've because seen they some of that put stuff. the you show me some of it. Yeah, they put the they they bring in the um uh the team speaker Ventrilo or whatever where every, all forty people are all talking, and when a boss dies and forty people just erupt in cheers yeah, and it's amazing. That to me is is social gaming, and I think you can accomplish that with Destiny to an extent. When you kill a raid boss with five other people, uh, and I think we're going to see that increase over time as Absolutely. they phase out the PS3 or the legacy support. And that's done. Right? It's gone. With yeah, Rise as of, of Rise of it's, Iron, it's all, it's it's all, all next gen. It's all next gen stuff. So, um, I, I'll be interested to see if the fire team level increases. If we can start taking eight players or ten players, uh, it's supposed to not for this one yet. Okay. We may get an update next year before it, but I, I bet, uh, I bet next. I think next year when Destiny Two drops, I just want to be able to take more than three people. Sure. Uh, to play with, you know, you can do that currently with six players for a raid or for a yeah. uh, crucible. But wouldn't it be great to go onto a planet with six guys oh. and just be like, let's go around and just like patrol together? You know, that'd so be fun. good. Let's go do all do our patrol bounties yeah. and, and stuff together. That'd be fun. That would be fantastic. So, uh, look, I, the other thing I want to call about Iron Banner, just to wrap this kind of thing up, is that according to Bungie, we're going to need less reputation to reach rank five. Which ultimately means those who participate earlier in the week won't things won't find things as much of a slog in in order to rank up, and that's that's always been me. As I've when I did play Iron Banner consistently, yeah, I I very quickly wanted to get that first character to rank five so that I would get the bonuses for the other two characters. Um, so I would start playing immediately on Tuesday as soon as it la- as soon as it opened up just to get that bonus opened up for the other two characters. Apparently now that's even going away, or in the sense I should say you'll need less reputation to get to rank five. Yeah, I think what they're getting at there is uh, obviously the, the rep increase went up on the weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, right. Sunday, which is when most This people, is the tempered buff. Which is when, or, or even just, you know, like it's when you get a bounty on a Friday or a Saturday, it's worth like, you know, twice as much or right. 150% more. Obviously, because more people have the op- the opportunity to grind on an iron banner if you're a nine to fiver, you know, on the weekends, mm-hmm. it's it's an easier thing to do. I think what they're what they're trying to do is is not necessarily punish the players for playing during the week if that's their time that they can play, right? Right. Like maybe these people work on the weekends. They're like, well, I can't do stuff on the weekends because I have a job on the weekends. How come I suffer? I think they're trying to make it universal across the board. You shoot stuff, you kill stuff, you get the rep. Doesn't matter what day it is. Yep. No, I, I think that's I think that's fantastic, and I I hope they remove that completely. To be honest, I I don't want to be punished right for being able to play the game when somebody else can't right, and that's what it feels. And like. you don't want to and and people from the other side don't want to say like, well, that guy gets to play on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday because he's got a bunch of extra time. I don't have that time. That's no fair, right? I think they want to make it like okay, if you play it, you get it. Yeah, I just, don't make the requirements so hard to uh, achieve. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, going back to what I was saying earlier about Blizzard opening up more content to more people, to the yeah. masses, catering to the casuals versus to the 1% of the 1% of the absolutely hardcore folks, right? And the other thing that you can fall into the trap of is is we can't, we can't as people who, uh, me especially, who has played for two years, I can't be like, well, wait a minute, I spent two years playing this game and now that guy can get that stuff? You rubble, can be- rubble, rubble. Yeah, you can't think that. You, you should be more excited about the fact that there's more people playing the game yes. and there's more stuff for them to see and more people for you to potentially play with. Like, look, we're going to give out our Twitter handles at the end of this. If you want to play with us on PS4, we'll be there. Yeah. But you got to be cool and you can't be a dick 
And if you want to learn how to do stuff, we're going to teach you. Yeah. But but I'll tell you what, you know, just be cool and we'll make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just com- I completely agree with that. I love you know, we were talking about this earlier, right? I don't play Destiny because Destiny's awesome. Destiny is awesome, not to discount that. I play Destiny for the social aspect of it. I think yeah. it's really what I continue to play World of Warcraft because of the social aspect of it and the ability to play with my friends, constantly talk in guild chat. Yeah. But, you know, be able to whisper them back and forth. And when I say friends, I mean, these are people that I've been gaming with for more than a decade at this point. Right. Like I, I was an original, you know, uh, friends and family alpha World of Warcraft player. I originally, I, 2004. Think about that. For, I've been playing Warcraft since 2004. Wow. Holy shit. Um, that's scary to say. So the reason I continue to play that game is because I can hang out with my friends that live in Illinois, Alabama, uh, New York, all of those, they're all over the place, but it's my way of continuing to quote unquote, hang out with them. Right. The same thing goes for destiny. Even though you and I both live in Los Angeles, we're, we can, we're, it's distant from each other in a yeah. sense. It's a good half hour trek for us to, it's an effort for us to hang out with each Turns other. Turns out it's a big city. Turns out it's a giant friggin' city with 20 million people in it. So yeah. we live on opposite ends of the city to an extent and it's, you know, it, it's hard for us to get to hang out. So if we can hop onto Destiny as an auxiliary chance to hang out with each other and run around and shoot shit and collect fragments for an hour, yeah, you know, maybe we sprinkle some some conversation in there. But that's to me and Glenn and Jared and Lorenzo and those guys. Those guys are all way outside of Los Angeles. I get time to spend with them. That's the social gaming aspect of it, and that's why it's important. There's a perfect example. Uh, and again, this goes back to me. Like, I was never a social gamer. Never, like, it, like occasionally I would play somebody online in hockey or in Madden, and I would get destroyed, or I would be good, and, like, you're talking to them, and you might find the occasional one person that you're playing against in a, in a game. Like, that was cool. Whereas, you know... Uh, you and I know each other and I've met Glenn and I've met Jared and I met, uh, the, 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 the Jerry, Lorenzo. And, uh, Loren- I've met Lorenzo once, but the other guys, uh, Jerry and, and, uh, yeah. uh the, the division guys that played now. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you've also met the guys that I brought over from Xbox and, you know, it, like you just, you, you, you find cool people, you find cool people. And, and it's like, and there's, there's one thing to be playing a game by yourself, but there's a lot of that game that you need other, you know, people to help with and you can randomize it except for raids and get whoever you're not going to talk to them. But wouldn't you rather just do it with people you can talk to? Absolutely. And a lot of these things are so mindless and except for, but then you get into a raid and it actually becomes, you know, as a, as a person who plays sports, uh, it becomes a team game and it's all about like, you don't want to let your teammate down and sorry guys, I made the mistake. They're my bad. Like that's cool. It's not like, Hey, what, how could you not do it's, it's, if you're with a good group, it's, Oh man, it's cool. We got your back. It's cool. It's like, it's, it's awesome. It's fun. It's, it's being a part of something. So I want to ask you one final question to close this, this episode off. All right. All right. With everything that you just said, uh, Blizzard a few years ago instituted something called LFG. Yep. And what we've more become more recently known as LFR, which is looking for group and looking for raid. Yeah. Basically what it does is it matches you with random people yep. throughout the world of Warcraft to do either a five-man dungeon or a 25-man full-on raid. Yep. There's no vocal communication. Oof. It's all just, you know, typed chat. Yeah. You, LOL, you suck. Ugh. It's that kind of environment. Do you see Destiny potentially implementing... So to str- 
You can do that today with strikes. The community, so the community has it. So there is like destinylfg.net. There is, uh, you can actually find a fire team now through the Destiny app on your phone. Um, you can go, there's a site called the 100.io where you can type in your name and, and, and you can say like, these are the times that I play and it will randomly put you in a clan with 100 people that you can just, you know, hopefully find wow. people that have like a, th- but again, this is all community driven, yeah. which is amazing. It's not through Destiny themselves. But uh, do you see Bungie implementing something in game that will match you with somebody that wants to do, let's say, a King's Wouldn't Fall it be great raid. if you were in the tower and you could have something over your head that says, I want to raid, and so other people would come? Yes, that would be great if that could happen. Maybe it's coming in Destiny 2. I don't see it happening in the next Or year. maybe you just queue for a, same, a raid the same way you do a strike today, and you end up in a King's Fall raid. I think they've always been resistant to the raid uh, auto-matchmaking. And I think, again, because they want that to be an absolute, like, you have to have your headset and you have to be talking and, you know what I mean? Because right. that's the thing. You cannot do a raid without a headset. Correct. Impossible. Yeah. I completely agree with that. So, look, we, we've been at this for about two hours now. Can you believe that? <laughs> Holy smokes. So, this we could literally chop this up into three episodes, but I think I'm going to leave it just the way it is for the inaugural episode of the concession stand. Look, they're not all going to be this long. They can't be, but at the end of the day, look, we had a lot to talk about in this first episode. We had a lot of fun. I mean, we've been talking yeah. about doing this for a couple of months now. Easily and, a and, couple you know, months. It's, uh, you know, we're just two good buddies hanging out talking about the stuff that we like, and we hope it's stuff that you guys like too, and, yeah. and we want you to get involved. You know, you want to have stuff for us to talk about, stuff you want to hear about, questions you have, send them in. Send them into yeah. our Twitter stuff. We want, to, we want to talk to you. That's why yeah. we're here. So tweet us at, at Orbital Jigsaw or at Data Center Dude or, or when Andy or, gets his Twitter yeah, thing. Yeah, or, or at Andy. Andy Nelson 76 is my Twitter, which I never check, but I will now. <laughs> no, any anything that you guys want to uh, submit, send it to info at orbitaljigsaw.com via email or tweet us at orbitaljigsaw on Twitter. Absolutely uh, happy to talk about any of these things, answer any questions live as we record. Uh, we'll be sure to capture those. But we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, inaugural episode. Of, I sure did. Uh, yeah, we had a blast. Uh, and I'm about six beers deep now, so I hope I didn't slur my speech too much <laughs> as we get towards the end here. So uh, we drink beer. We talk about video games. We talk about movies and anything geek culture related. We never touched wrestling. Maybe that's coming up. Oh, we have so much to talk about about what's going on in wrestling with the whole brand split and all that. Oh, Jesus. So this is the concession stand, folks. We are full-on geeks. We love entertainment. Uh, we have plenty to talk about. We're going to be doing this every single week. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks uh, for coming too. out. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Later. Bye-bye.